And welcome back to Scavtech, everyone. Today's episode, we'll be discussing the DreamHack Arena event that's coming out, followed by a very cool and exciting video from Bazinga Gary. I think that's how you uh, Bazinga Gary. I'm I'm not really. That's how I'm going to say it. Who posted a uh, Tarkov wishlist suggestions? that got some traction in the Tarkov community. And we'll be discussing uh, balancing in FPS games, followed by PUBG Extraction Shooter. Whoa! And then another Extraction Shooter that we talked about, did some coverage on previously, and they got a full trailer, essentially. So, Giga, how's it going in Tarkov? What level are you? I am level, I think I'm level 46. I'm either level 46 or 47. I'm pretty sure I'm level 46. Like, once you get to that level, it's kind of all meaningless. There's no, like, yeah. real milestones. It's like level 50, I think. For, what was it? What's Crisis, the quest? I can't remember. Is it like 50? I'm not sure. <sighs> Dude, but there's, for me. There's, um, yeah, there's, there's very few quests left that are, uh, or, like, you know, milestones or, you know, th things that you get to after level 45, I would say. And then you get to those, like, really nice weeklies, dailies, like, you get a bunch of XP. So doesn't really matter but like what we've been doing is we finally basically got to the lightkeeper nearly but you know not quite but nearly but we did kind of get there we had to go through the whole rigmarole as usual of going into the water treatment facility and finding the v3 flash drive um as as per i'm historically extremely unlucky at finding quest items especially when there's multiple spots we went through and we tried to find every single we got went to every spot Mm. barring the two that were behind the key that i forgot about behind the key and it was like in one of those rooms so um i had to like go back but um yesterday we i managed to go and find it it was in like spot 10 or 11 or something which is okay mm. not too bad so i had to go and like flash the drive but i was already creating uh something in the intel center so i had to like wait until it was done to then go and flash it so i flashed it last night to go and flash the transponder doodad and now the very final part of the thing is to walk across the bridge and go and speak to Lightkeeper, which I haven't done. So we're basically there with Lightkeeper, which is what I wanted to do. That was my main goal was to get that just in case something happens later. Like, I think it's a good milestone to just have. I don't have any intention in doing his quests because they don't really give you anything. Mm. And I can't imagine that any end of wipe event would be reliant upon the, the quest that Lightkeeper. I mean, maybe if they are, then I'm going to eat my words, right? But I just don't <laughs> think so. I think getting to Lightkeeper is the important milestone. Anything after that's just killer content so we moved on to doing the next thing which i was yet to do which is killing caban because he's a bit of a bit of a beast and it's quite hard to get in there um i spent the time in between 24 hour time gatings trying to go to streets and working out that central section because i've not spent enough dedicated time doing it like I've, I've played around one or two raids here and there thrown a grenade in got killed you know that kind of thing yeah not spent enough dedicated time. So after dying probably 10 times to various different things and stupid ways of you know getting killed by this machine gun or this guy here or even one of them, which is like really awkward. I came in from the the north side, which is like the financial building side, the non-Concordia side. Um, it's the one like actually on the street. And I threw the nade over and all the guys ran around. But I somehow managed to path myself perfectly with a sliver going all the way through into the kind of like right-hand building next to the forklift. And Caban could see me through this like five centimeter wide gap or something and just like grilled me with uh, BS through the through the hole and just mm, full autoed me on the way in. I must have had an RPK on that instance. Because I think you can have the PKM, the PKP, and, and maybe the RPK sometimes. I think you're right, um, yeah. Which is a bit annoying because you need the PKP for Gunsmith. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that it is relatively likely that he spawns with the PKP, but... Even still, the fact that he can have other stuff, it's a little bit uh, Rashala uh, Golden TT 
situation right like you get in you do the thing you do the stuff you go and kill him and then he doesn't have the thing that you came for it's like no don't gotta do it again so painful but anyway i spent a a bunch of time trying to do that um dying to pmcs and things ended up trying to do it at night which i don't think is a terrible option on streets like it's a little bit less crazy with pmcs but because there's so many street lights and stuff you don't really need nods like I, i went with the quad nods on and they do help because they stop the contrast in the dark areas being just unseeable into if you know what i mean but yeah. and, and also with the quad nods it's okay because if you're in the street lights you're not completely blinded you don't have to keep taking them on and off all the time which is all right like, there are some areas that are a bit bright but it's not too bad so the high quality mvgs are actually pretty decent but anyway went in with those and uh worked our way through i think there was somebody maybe you tried to come in from the other side it sounded like it but maybe they got killed or whatever i don't know so we were pretty much just in there on our own like as if we were playing an offline raid against Kaban. everyone else was doing whatever else people do at nighttime on streets and uh, yeah, we just kind of got to sort of slowly piece by piece walk through, do the grenade thing, go in, whatever, and uh, nearly screwed it up right at the last minute. Ended up in a kind of wall bang battle with Caban, which is never a good idea because he actually had the PKP with BT ammo in it, 762x54R BT, which is terrifying. I got shot once in the stomach and managed to kill him with my 50 round drum RD. And uh, he had the PKP. So nabbed that and took it and apparently there was an alton on the floor, but I was like running so fast. I just, <laughs> I just left all the gear. I was like, I need the PKP out of here so I can finish Gunsmith. And yeah, we managed to do that. So it was actually pretty successful. Pretty good stuff. Like get to Lightkeeper basically, other than buying like just go and visit one time and uh, killing Caban, which is, which is cool. So I'm, I'm sort of slowly checking off the things that I wanted to do now that we're so far through. People keep asking me about Kappa as well. I still just don't think there's enough time to get it i'm not sure like i need to have a look at the list and see how many quests there are like it's probably one of those things where if you could do shooter born in heaven and talk of shooter eight and psycho sniper then maybe there's a chance mm-hmm. but you kind of have to do those quests first i think because otherwise you're sort of wasting your time doing all the other stuff if you haven't completed those three because they're probably the hardest i would think out of the whole list like shooter born's just kind of kind of time consuming and i guess the same with eight and Psycho Sniper, so it sort of depends. But you have to use Balties. I'm just not sure if I want to, is the thing. Yeah, well, I mean, is it a waste of time if you're doing it because you just want to, you know? Yeah, like, the thing is, I, I don't mind doing some of the other quests. This is the thing. Like, I'd hate to do all the other stuff and then get right there. That's like, oh, I've got to complete these random Balti tasks now, and I just don't like using Balties. I don't like doing them. Mm-hmm. But I feel compelled because I'm so close. Rather than... And this is the thing, yeah, I don't mind doing things like set up, we use the shotguns or whatever. I just don't like bolt actions. I just, they just, it doesn't make sense to me to use them. It's so silly. I feel like I, there's like ways I can use the shotgun that are sensible. I'm like, okay, I can play in a very deliberate way to make shotguns good. It's very difficult to play in a way that make bolt, bolties good, except for like, don't be seen. Right. <laughs> um, it's like, this is categorically worse than everything else in the game. So, you know, play yeah. around that. I don't, I'm just, I don't like bolt actions. And I'm even I keep complaining about Shooter Born in Heaven and people are like, didn't they change Shooter Born in Heaven? I'm just like, yeah, I didn't like Shooter Born before because 100 meters and I don't like it now because you have to use a bolt action. Like, I could dislike both. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, uh, do you like anything, Mr. Streamer? N- not like that. Definitely <laughs> not. No, no. I, I'm, I'm an up close and personal kind of player. I am. I'm, mm. I'm not a really big sniper. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe we could do it. Like, I'd nearly finished Shooter Born on Woods. So. I don't know, we'll see. see. Otherwise, yes, yeah, we're going all right. Been going all right. It's fun. I think maybe maybe we'll just mess around and like kill bosses and stuff towards the end. I'm not sure. 
I haven't quite decided. There's like still some things I want to do. I want to complete stir up using the um, RSH revolver. I think that'll oh, okay. be fun because I haven't completed stir up. I basically never use a pistol, so I've got zero out of three, and stir up still just sat there waiting to be completed. So we're just gonna get the big iron and you know <laughs> go to town. That'd be fun. <laughs> one one wipe. I tried it early with the uh, with the three fifty seven revolver, mm, and I yeah. tried using the flesh rounds. Uh huh. And it did not work out well for me. I switched to the actual quote-unquote good ones, and it was much easier to do. Yeah, they're not actually too bad. I used it relatively recently for completing that one where you have to kill enemies. It includes scavs and PMCs, I think, but you basically end up killing scavs. You kill scavs in the mall area, so for that mall cop one. I used it for that, and it was quite, it was quite fun. I quite enjoyed it. It was, it was okay. But uh, yeah, that one's not, not terrible. I think it's Magnum FMJ, I think. Mm-hmm, something like that. Uh, yeah, which is... all oh, They've reordered the wiki list and it keeps messing me around. They've, like, chained... They put shotguns at the bottom now. Hmm. They've, like, ordered it by... I don't know what they've ordered it by, like, cartridge size or something. Because shotguns used to be at the top. But now 762x25Tokarev is at the top on the wiki. Because there's no, there's no way... I mean, this is going to be a really niche-specific thing, but I look at this chart, like, you know, probably five times every day. There's no way to reorder it back the way it is. You know, you can't order the calibers. You can only order the... Well, I guess maybe you can. Oh, no, you can't. You can only order the, like, the actual list, and the list itself is set in some kind of like special format to start with, if that makes sense, because it's done by caliber, and then it's done by pen from low to high. But yeah, so they've moved shotguns down to the bottom. So that's that. What was I even looking at? I've got myself like super sidetracked. Oh, yes, we were looking at the uh, Magnum FMJ. Yeah, it's 70 damage and 35 pen, so it's actually all right. Okay. Well, um, should we talk about some of the news that came out this week? Sure. sure. Uh, for starters, we got Black Friday sale for Escape from Tarkov. And you know the meme. Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and post it. I already know you're going to say it. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to running into, <laughs> you know, Jing Lao 6969. Thank you. Thank you for making a joke that I hinted at uh yeah so 20 percent off get your friends in i mean i guess the one notable thing is if you don't have eod uh it would be a good time to do it i would imagine because i don't it would be maybe they'll do a christmas sale again but uh i don't know i yeah it seems pretty close to well to christmas to do another one i would think and uh, i think it i think it genuinely is a good time to do a dmr like my video about like you know if you want to get EOD, that was probably the time. That video that I did uh, really brought some salty people out the woodwork. People, there's a certain there's a subset of people who are, you know, clearly watch a lot of Tarkov videos, but you know, hate the game and <laughs> hate PSG and hate everything that you know we stand for as content creators. And uh, what are they yeah, salty boy. about? Were they like accusing oh, you of taking BS, big BSG money? <laughs> just everything. I think there was actually, yeah. This is a, this is kind of like a, an almost sort of like this links to something else we're going to talk about later. But this is a. Uh, there's almost a bit of a weird uh, misunderstanding that some people had in there. So it was almost unfortunate that that video I did a um, I did a sponsor for that one, which is for Nakon, which is the game that we're actually going to talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to sponsor a video, and I put it on that one. But then some people misunderstood and thought that I was sponsored by BSG posting about because the get because the video is about buying Tarkov, right? And, and yeah. then it's like. I can and see the confusion <laughs> for the average user. So, 
And so some people who watched like three seconds of the video right. um, and saw like hashtag ad in the title, I think was just like, like, isn't this a, you know, contradiction or whatever. It's just like, if you watch like 10 seconds into the video and saw that there's actually a sponsored segment, that, you know, mm-hmm. it's on the timestamps, but never, never mind actually, you know, reading or looking at any of the yeah, details. That, you're asking way <laughs> too much, dude, for the average user. Way too much. <laughs> uh, it's quite funny. So, so that happened. And uh, yeah, and there's just usually a, like a tidal wave of people who go like, oh, why'd you put hashtag out of your title? Oh, no one else does it. And I'm just like, well, because nobody else does it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea for like me not to do it. Like, I don't mm-hmm. care what everybody else does. The UK like guideline says that sponsorships need good to be represented prior to the click. It has to be there prior to the click. Anybody who doesn't do that, in theory, right? technically, you know, it's not, not like it's going to happen, but like, why take the chance? Anyway, right. um, so like, you either put it in the thumbnail or the title, and it has to be like prominent, and people have to be able to see it. So I always get like a billion people going like, why do you have to put, uh, people think it's the full ad? Oh, no, you, your viewership's going to really suffer. Just like, it has literally no impact at all. Anyone who's going to click on the video is just going to click on it anyway. Like, nobody cares. Just like, just check yeah. the box, move on, you know? I could see that. Like, if you want to watch, it's not like hashtag ad or not is going to determine me clicking on a video. Like, it probably has very low impacts because that's not the main drivers. Like, typically, the main drivers can be like, what topic interests? Yeah. Like, what you know, what the your actual like actual content you're feeding me, and then that's going to determine via you know title thumbnail, and then YouTube's going to determine that based off metrics and whatnot. So it's you know exactly. So yeah, so it was a, it was a bit of a bit of a crazy thing, and people just being like, "Oh, what is this game?" as well, like, and I'm like, the game's not even come out. Literally, the thing was just to get like some mm-hmm. eyeballs on it. I want to try it. <laughs> like, do you guys not want to try it? Do you know? Do you not want to know that it's coming out? Like, I don't know what people like. What do you even want? I'm not even I saying really... like buy the game. I'm saying sign up for the Steam wishlist <laughs> and play the free alpha. Like, what? what? Right. <laughs> come off it. Like, I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of uh, undue outrage. <laughs> There's I, one thing I really dislike about gaming in general, but I'm kind of guilty of it as, as myself, but it's like this like loyalty with like certain, I mean, it's really, it's really outside of gaming, but like brands or like companies or CEOs or whatever, what have you, mm. you know, like my bias is like Valve, you know, like I, I really like Valve's products and their stuff, but like also I try to acknowledge the really bad stuff that they've done and <laughs> still do. Like we, in some ways, we can thank microtransactions to like Valve, you know, or like Battle Pass. If you hate Battle Passes, oh. you can thank thank Valve for that, you know. Mm. If you hate like, uh, you know, market reselling skins and stuff, you can thank Valve for. Anyways, uh, if you hate like game clients, uh, launchers, you can thank Valve for that because they were the first one. Now every everything's got to have a you know its own. Epic Games launcher and you know GOG launcher and all that. It's really, it's actually really annoying. <laughs> Anyways, point being is, um, I yeah, it's one of those things that like I don't get why people are so like loyal to the game when like the game is like nothing. It's literally you pay money for product. <laughs> like, <laughs> you care so like I don't know. <laughs> it's just weird. It's just fair. It was like yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a bit, but um. Yeah, so the sale is on. If you do want to upgrade to EOD, now is a good time. Obviously, if you've got standard already, like, and that is the thing. I genuinely think it's a good time to upgrade to EOD if you can and if you if you want to. And you're going to get Arena for free anyway. Um, I say for free, but like, I think the way I broke it down in the video, it's like 
you know, it's just it's just the the difference between whatever you paid originally. I, I wonder whether that's like changed now from. It's probably a lot closer. Yeah. Or smaller yeah. gap, yeah. Because it's like if you have standard and then EOD's here, and then like part of that's arena, like thirty-seven euro for us, thirty-seven euros of that is arena. But the EODness right. of it is not really that much actually, because like fifty euros of it or whatever that is is like the base game, right. and then it's like the arena, the EOD bit, and then the arena bit. Um, and so like who knows what's going to happen afterwards. Um, but yeah, I mean the sales were a good time because yeah, you get what's the what's the deal with the Black Friday one? How much is it off? Twenty twenty-five percent. Twenty-five percent. Okay, so yeah, you get twenty-five percent off the upgrade cost. So. Yeah, Until consider it. the twentieth at eight forty nine PM GMT. The twentieth, twenty fifth. Sorry, twenty fifth, twenty fifth. Oh, tomorrow. Oh, yeah, tomorrow. Oh, so it's already gone by the time this podcast comes out. Rip. True. <laughs> <laughs> so you better get it while you can, folks. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, fair enough. Um, uh, so, the, so yeah, the other one. The, sorry. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 No. No. You. You go. You go. You go. Uh. The DreamHack is partnering, or BSG is partnering with DreamHack on the 14th through the 17th of December to host a official EFT arena. There's going to be a prize pool of like 100,000 euros, mm. and I think that's kind of all we know about the details, yeah? I think so, yeah. So, Oh, sorry. I mean, what... the, the important thing to note is like six pro teams will compete on a dedicated stage. So pro teams, I'm assuming as they... BSG or whoever reached out to a couple of different teams. Maybe it's because I think there were some rumors or talks of BSG even said they invited some pro players, yeah. pro teams. I imagine like Virtus Pro might have been one to play. I think they may have even said Virtus Pro did, but they play test arena and like close beta or something, whatever. Um, yeah, Virtus Pro were the ones who were playtesting it in that little video that they did. Um, that Nikita kind of showcased that one time. That was mm. them. So yeah, I guess they've got like another right. five teams. Maybe maybe Virtus won't even be part of this. I don't know. But um, yeah, who knows? They'll have six teams, as you say, six professional teams. So I guess like it won't be any Tarkov people because there aren't any like Tarkov pro teams. You know, mm. there's, there's teams, um, but there's no like Tarkov pro teams. Which is um, it's going to be interesting to see like what have I wonder if they've had like how much chance they've had to like practice and stuff like have they been given copies and things i mean it'd be interesting to to know or were they just like sit down I... for the first time like right i played valorant for the last you know three years or whatever and right yes before that i'm sitting down to play my first game of eft i imagine not because that probably wouldn't work that well but well i died in my experience living experience you know um so back in the day i had to look this up actually because i was interested and I had to relive 2010 all Man, it was miserable. But back in the day, when I was playing Alliance of Valiant Arms, the, the shitty Korean Counter-Strike clone that mm. was, like, ported to, to the U.S. Or, or whatever, and, like, some other company that... Anyways, they had... There was, like, a... You know, I don't want to say, like, an esports scene, but there was, like, a competitive scene within the community. It was, like, very small, and... At some point, the uh, publisher for the U.S. division, IJJI, they did like a they did a tournament way like like a year or so before. But then, anyways, when I when I started getting into it, they did a tournament where they invited pro teams to play. It was like, um, they call it like this ultimate gaming challenge. They like you know try to promote it a bit, hyped it up a bit. Mm. Different uh, articles published about it because it was like. From oh man, now I wish I had the the article pulled. I could probably find it, but it was like 
team complexity from like TF2. Um, gosh, it was like uh, doctors from like Call of Duty. It was like a couple different FPS okay, yeah. pro teams. Um, I don't even know if they were like any good pro teams, but um, anyway, so I had a, I had a chance to play in that because my team was like it was like basically the AVA pros, quote unquote, versus like the esport pros, quote unquote. Oh, so I had a, I, yeah, I had a chance to play in that, and um, they, you know, we beat we beat a couple. I think we ended up placing fourth in the team. Eventually, the the team that, if anybody knows this game, probably knows it from Skadoodle. The, I guess he's like now a Valorant pro player. But anyways, he played on DefCon, which was a Navy A team, and mm-hmm. they ultimately ended up like dominating the pro scene so to speak quote unquote uh but they ended up competing going on to like represent usa and the nationals for this game because it was like it was more these like free-to-play fps clones back in the day were like really popular in like korean stuff um southeast asia i guess but anyways long story short the people because one of my teammates was like an old school quake wolfenstein players so like he knew some of the people on the other teams because they had okay. they, like, either like played against each other in like older games of previous generations mm-hmm. or were teammates um and yeah he said that like they were not very fond like they didn't really respect the thing i don't know why they um like in some ways you get invited to play in this event and there's like a cash pool and you think well like you could stomp the competition so it might just be like free cash but i, I don't know you know i don't know what the incentives are mm-hmm. for them to get paid you know i don't know but the behind the doors but suffice to say is like hey they didn't like they didn't really respect the <laughs> game that much you know um but i don't know maybe they got i don't know i can't really speculate <laughs> i don't know for sure if they got like if their agencies or you know the orgs got paid yeah to like participate in this for, yeah i don't know i don't know no. So, I mean, I guess that's probably the deal with with this. I mean, they they probably get paid something just for turning up, I suppose. And then there's like this, I mean, maybe it's something small, I'm not sure. But then there's this like prize pool, which, you know, it's not, it's not a bad prize pool. I don't know. Like, that's how, really how, good. These, these things are usually quite top heavy, right? So they're like, I don't know, 70, 20, 10 or something like that for like top three, something like that, maybe. I have no idea. But then split between like five players, it uh, ends up not being like as much as you might think. Like it look, the headline prize pools always look very very high and then they have to split that with the org usually and whatnot so well yeah well, would, it, being as much would as they think. be is it just first place or you think they'll be i have first? no idea i have no idea maybe yeah. they would just do first place to be honest but they did that's six. like a really high you know that's pretty good for and it'd be pretty good for yeah. like yeah low um you know kind of looking at it because like i don't know they they might practice but like a lot of the teams didn't you know, in my experience, they didn't really practice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe they'll just like go and just just join. I reckon that they'll probably be because I think they said for the Virtus guys that they were, even though they, I can't remember which team it was. Was it like Siege or something? It was like one. It was yeah, another, I think it was so. like some random team. I think it was. Siege. Um, but they were, the guys were like did actually play Tarkov. Like a, a lot of them had played before, um, so it wasn't just like they'd never played the game, didn't understand like the mechanics or anything, and just just going in for the shooting um that they had mostly played so i, I imagine that'll be similar like the guys who are going to be playing this will have like played the base game at least somewhat i would have thought yeah so we'll that's see. true because essentially it is just tarkov right yeah 
Um, so yeah, I mean, Nikita says, yeah, we're excited to debut Escape for Target Arena in Germany to demonstrate our ambition in taking our esports endeavors to the next level. Developing an esports title has always been part of our EFT Arena roadmap and immense popularity and community demand have proven that we're on the right track. I mean, lots of people want to see it, right? So he's kind of right. We see DreamHack Hanover as a great stage for us to showcase the new title and an opportunity to engage and grow with our community with esports and other experiential activations on site, whatever that means. But uh, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be going at this point. I mean, it's not that far. Like, you know, I really wanted to go to Vegas and that is a real ask yeah. for me to get to, especially the, when it like clashed with everything else. But Hanover is, in fact, Hanover is actually closer to me than Berlin even. So it's really not that far. It's about... I was just like looking up a few different things and um, because it's not like Hanover is not really a city that I even really know. It's mm-hmm. not inundated with like tourism, I don't believe. And so it's relatively cheap to stay there. So it's quite like a good place to go. Um, it's not like it's in like the middle of Paris or something where it's incredibly expensive to get a get a hotel and that kind of thing. It's like £130 for flights and like £130 for hotels to stay there the whole time. So I'm like, actually, this is like very doable. And I don't have anything else over that weekend, which is which is fortunate. So I would say 95% chance that I will be there. So if you're, if you're going to be there or if you're in Germany uh, or near Hanover and you want to come to the event and, and say hi, like the whole, like a weekend festival ticket is only 45 euros. I was pleasantly surprised. There's quite good value. Mm. So yeah, I think I'm very likely to be there, which will be good fun and good, good to see it. Um, good to see it all happen in person for once. So this will be the first talk of event I've ever been to. So oh be, really? It'd be cool. Yeah, well, I mean, did you? I forget. Really did you end up going to that one? Uh, sort of a P pandemic or no? What was? <laughs> I went to the Ice Series one, which Ice was series, yeah. yeah, that that big LAN. Yeah, I went to that. Um, but that's like multi-game. Like it's very yeah. It's just it's okay, a big I LAN see, really. See, it's I like see. it's the LAN first and foremost, and there's it's like gaming festival as well. So there's like other stuff. But gotcha. um, you know, went there just like met some met some people and. Just wandered about but like there wasn't really that many taco people there right right so this is the first like you know taco focus thing because like they're actually an official partner of dreamhack hanover as per this announcement which is quite cool so yeah i wonder who's there i guess they'll at least be you know the community managers and that kind of thing i don't know if the big man himself will be there but we'll see maybe <laughs> right with the you know the first reader tourney who knows maybe he'll want to be there to see himself potentially uh, yeah, all remains to be seen. So that's going to be good fun. Um. Okay, so yeah, what do you want to talk about next? You want to just jump into the video? Yeah, probably. Um, I think that's kind of like the meat of the main topic that uh, that I'm sort of looking at and been thinking about this week. So there was a, a video, I think Church said before, but I don't know how you pronounce his name. It's either Basing Gary or Basing Ari. Uh, or basing array something like that but anyway they i've seen this person's videos before like i didn't i like recognize their name mm-hmm. and i can't remember where this i think okay so i saw the video pop up and it's called a wish list for a better talk of experience it doesn't actually have as many views as i thought it would get like 23k but i saw it and meant to watch it and then mm-hmm. forgot and then a discord community member messaged me and said, oh, by the way, your, like, your video is referenced in this video. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. It reminded me that it existed. And I went to watch it. And, and then I suddenly remembered that I have seen this person's videos before. And they're like one of these, you know, Blender 
like video production y, like a crazy editing, like Junker style person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they've got insane skills. <laughs> insane skills. So this person is like so good at just putting together videos. It's like one of the nicest, one of the more nicely composed videos I've seen in a long time. It's just like all the little bits in between. It must take them absolutely ages to do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in between all of that, in between all of that, there's a whole bunch of wishlist stuff, which I think is interesting. There's like various different perspectives. Like not enough of these videos come out, I think, in a nice format to just be you know, detailed down and have been like scripted and thought through completely. And I think a lot of the stuff in here is actually pretty good. And some of the elements are a little bit different to ones that like me or Jesse or like other people have talked about before, which is cool. Some of them are the same, but some of the others are a bit different. So the first section is all about visuals basically so it's about like fog which we which we know about but i and i don't know exactly how they do this stuff so yeah you've got the graphics overhaul stuff on the screen if uh, if you're watching it with video but they clearly have some version of um i wouldn't not necessarily going to say spt but it's the you know, the ability to import stuff in and edit yeah edit things within the game that it wouldn't be possible to edit just using like maybe you could do it with filters but i think it's it's some kind of like either import into blender you know like when people did the lighting changes on interchange that like we talked about it before it's like not necessarily in the game engine but you can like import all the assets and then like render you can render it as its own thing and like fly through it or whatever like you don't necessarily need to be running like the game you don't need to be running spt necessarily for it if you can get the assets into blender but anyway so they showcase like a bunch of different places around the map and we're talking about how fog at a distance is too strong, basically when it's when it's light. I think there's one particular lighting mode that actually looks good in Tarkov, and it's when it's like completely clear, mm-hmm. no clouds in the sky, the sun is shining, and everything's like actually lit up, and you can see for a, you know a long way, and the fog very gradually comes in at like much longer distances. To be honest, yeah. it's probably still too strong even then. But those yeah. are the only times where you can like really do sniping over 200, 300 meters and actually see what's going on. And so their point is that, you know, fog at distance is too strong pretty much all the time. Um, and which makes sniping in like high powered optics just bad. Like we have these really long range scopes in the game, but you just, you just can't use them because you can't see far enough, even with a clear line of sight, because the fog is there and it's just impossible to actually use them, even for the, what they're intended for. And so they did like a load of before and after shots, like clearing up stuff and also an interchange as well. It's like shadows inside are too dark. Like we know about this. There's basically some weird filter across the whole screen um, that you can't fix just using the NVIDIA control panel or the in-game whatever. Like it's always there no matter what. And it's always like slightly too dusty. And their point there was that that promotes camping as well because there's like a, quite a few spots that they showcased where somebody's lying down and even if you're looking at them, because of the grayness of the, the terrain and stuff, even with the interchange lighting rework, you still can't see them until they fire their gun. They're just mm-hmm. a gray outline and a gray background, and you just can't see them. But if you change the way the lighting works, you can actually see the people leaning out because their outline is distinct enough from the background to be able to see them. And so it would ner- the, their point is that it would nerf camping because you would then be able to see people who are prone, leaning, you know, just hiding in the shadows much more easily. Which I think is an interesting point. Like, I'm not really considered a, the balancing impact of graphics in that way. 
Yeah, it's a tricky subject. Um, let me say this first because I can't get this out of my head. Is I think to answer, you know, the, my speculation is that this was an SBT. Um, it probably is. I just have to get that out of my head because <laughs> I'll I'll, mention, I'll probably come back to that point later. But anywho, yeah, it's it's a tricky it's a tricky thing because on one hand. I can understand wanting to design a game where you want to take into account your surroundings and how visible you are or aren't. Um, which is tricky because you would need to have, like, I don't know, it's just, it's just a little tricky because you would need to, like, first see the area that's dark and then go there. Unless you're already in there. Like, you know, I mean, you can't, like, I can't, like, take a, you know selfie of my pmc to see how like the skies are visible i am you know yeah. what i mean but with enough like map knowledge and awareness like you can like a common thing is like skylining where you're like mm -hmm. the sky is behind you so you stick out um so i i can like, i can understand you know wanting to like design that into the game um i i think for me personally the big gripes with the lighting is like that yellow you know, filter-ish. It's like a yellow, dingy filter that's just, like, pasted on everything. It's mm. just permanent. Uh, which just kind of skews things, you know, makes it less clear. And I I think the fog is just a bit much. Like, I, I don't know how you do that in a way. Because if you completely remove it, I think it's too strong. Yeah, like I think there's what there's one now where there's a shoreline picture up right now in the video, and that's just like it's just it just shows like how crazy it is, you know? Like it really doesn't need to be that extreme. <laughs> yeah. I mean on both ends, I think it's like if I just go back. Um even with the MVGs, just yes. like there's so yeah. So he's like to for the audio listeners, he is like on top of rock passage on shoreline, looking towards You mean is it tunnel? Stop. Yeah, yeah, tunnel. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, the top of the top, of the extract camping spot, <laughs> looking <laughs> towards effectively the road that leads to like military base CCP or you know gas station yeah. and and pier and like the fog version, you know the 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 vanilla version. You can't see past like the boat, the 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 what's it called, the barge. I don't or know what whatever. it is. Yeah, some kind of like rusted barge thing that connects to Scav Island. Yeah, and everything else just like fog. You can like kind of make out buildings in the background but you can't really see the road or nothing and, and this is another point i wanted to mention was like in the fog it's fogginess of it all it's like you you need the high power scopes to see them because you need to see like the the one percent difference between the gray pixel and the non-gray pixel and the one gray pixel that is the enemy and the other one that is not the mm -hmm. enemy but like it's like you need it, but it sucks because it's not a great experience to begin with. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. it's a very weird relationship there. Um, and then to describe the the non-fog version, like I don't know if there's, uh, let's see, max level detail. Okay, so this is no fog according to the picture here. And it's like you can see all the way down the road. You can see the pier. You can see the military base CCP, the shipment yeah. containers, the whatever else is. You can probably see into like terminal. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can see every, like it's. I think it's too much. But like, there's got to be some play here because to me, it's like the the fogginess of it all just makes so many situations in general worse. And like, it's like a 
a global thing that you can't you don't really have any say over you know what i mean because it's like my understanding if i had to guess there's like fog that's like drawn around the player so as you move the fog moves with you so to speak that that would be my guess they're saying there might be some like pre-baked fog around the map i don't really know i know like the weather affects it there's parameters but anyways i get i guess my point is like we can have like a little bit of like fog for like the sake of scenery you know what Mm. i mean like i I don't want to see like a perfectly clear streets tower in the background when i'm playing on customs like i don't really need to see that you know what i mean but like it would be nice to be able to have lower fog in general because it kind of like elevates everything like when you're inside dorms you still have the fog around so it's like you know, whether you're inside or outside, it doesn't really matter. It's just, like, constantly being drawn around you, so it's just really annoying. It's, like, wherever you go, yeah, it just makes everything... Like, I, I, on one hand, I like it, but I just don't know how you balance it out where it, like, kind of... You can keep the parts where it's, like, I need to be aware of my surroundings, but on the other hand, you can take the advantages of, like, clarity is good, so that way I can see better and react to things more effectively because that's kind of part of the problem for me is like when you when everything is just like a visual blur it's like you're instead of like playing the game where you're trying to spot everything from every possible angle because there's like a million different angles in tarkov you just play the game where you're reactive where you just sprint around like a chicken with his head cut off and when you get shot at and they heavily miss because you know recoil or maybe they don't miss whatever you just take the l but (laughs) you you (laughs) react to them that way you know what i mean yeah it's weird. It's very... I don't really see the downside in changing it, right? So at least, like, the way the fog is now, if you just pushed it out a bunch... Like, firstly, yeah, it's not really realistic to have it like that. It's just like this so often with the fog that is close enough... Okay, this is the problem for me with it. The fog is close enough to have sensible engagements with a voodoo. So often, you're you two are like... The two players can spot each other in the fog, and you're shooting at each other just at the visual range of, like shooting it like the gray blob against right. the other gray blob. Right. And that experience, as you said, is really bad. Whereas in some, a game like DayZ, is, they've got a completely opposite approach to it, where I don't think there's any fog in DayZ at all. And you can see people from like miles away, like miles mm-hmm. and miles and miles away. But to the extent to which, you know, 99% of the time, you don't have a chance of actually shooting and hitting them. But it's more about like scouting, right? And in that way, you would see people and be like, oh, okay, there's somebody over there. And it's like information gathering without necessarily, you know, you could decide, oh, I'm going to path to them, you know, gradually. But I don't think that would necessarily make Tarkov, like, worse to see people long ways away. In the like, how many, firstly, how many sight lines are there actually that let you do that to begin with? Not that many. And secondly, yeah, even if you did see somebody, like, miles away, at a range the way you can't even hit them, like, is that necessarily that bad? It's like, okay, well, I know where they are. You know, I've roughly got an idea on, of another PMC. I feel like it would actually make the game better. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind, like, yeah, the distant fog be at a point at which it's sort of aesthetically pleasing. So it's like, okay, landscape in, in the distance is slightly obscured. But anything, like, on the actual map itself, like, you could add the tiniest little bit for distance, but have it so that it's still shootable, players are still very much distinct from the landscape at that at those ranges. Unless, of course, it is actually foggy. But I think people take most offense to it when it's just, like, yeah, clouded sky. Or when it goes overcast, like, the... the Right. The sun is out and it's fine. It's kind of actually like that's all right. And then a cloud comes over and blocks the sun, and then everything gets this weird fog thing because it's like the sun was like 
penetrating through the race. Like, mm. But that's, that's just not really how it works in real life, right? Like, the whole terrain doesn't all suddenly get foggy because the sun's gone. Like, yeah, things are just a little bit less bright than they were. What I would have to guess is that because the way the lighting is, like, with the sun being out, the fog is less egregious because it's, like, cranking up the brightness on it, so to speak. Mm. Whereas when the sun is hidden, the brightness on the, you know, effectively the entire level brightness has been lowered. So then it kind of makes the fog more egregious because the fog yeah. is essentially just adding noise to yeah, it. Yeah, it's like a, almost like a set brightness for the fog. And then when the terrain brightness goes down, right. the fog brightness stays the same. So they end up be, it ends up obscuring. You almost need to have like the fog brightness like just scale with the wet. Like if you could have it look all the time, like it looks when it's clear. So long as, as I said, it's not like raining or actually foggy. That would be a lot better, I think. I I I, I kind of like like I don't know if this is what you're saying, but I would like that approach where it's like you have events, kind of like how they do now, where it's mm. like it's raining, so like visibility is reduced, noise is not as good, reliable. Um, it's foggy, so now visibility is reduced. You know, it's whatever. Um, instead of having it, because like right now we kind of have that, but because we have the fog fogginess in general, it makes that it just kind of feels like oh now it's worse you know it's like it's raining mm-hmm. right now it's going to be even worse of experience like dude rain it was weird on interchange if it was like raining or foggy like it just made interchange that much worse previously because that would elevate the fogginess of it like you could be on the second floor and like looking across on the like on one side of the escalators to like the other side or like food court to like the other side of the mall mm. right and you literally could not see them like i that was remembered that we have instances where you would be looking at what we call like big window or like the main entrance to ultra yeah. from like the top of the escalators all the way on the opposite side and it'd be so like bright and foggy because for some reason when it was like foggy the fog indoors became brighter that was just like it was just a mess you could not see anything it was awful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so that's like one of the main parts of the the start also about bloom as well which is something i hadn't really thought about but it is a thing you know certain mm-hmm. aspects are too bright I mean, maybe it could be turned down, but uh, that was another one of their, their criticisms about the visuals. Um, the the next part was a little, there was something I wasn't sure about it. They said like about impact effects of like powerful calibers. They were, they were basically saying there wasn't enough like dismemberment and like blood <laughs> and gore or whatever, especially for shotguns and, you know, 7.62 by X and higher. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether I really care so much about that, but they... The, the producer of of the video said that the guns feel to them very like you know, not impactful enough because of the way that they've like visually represented. There's not enough like PMC impact. Is that something you care about as a player? Personally, no. I mean, like maybe it's not high on my priority list. You know what I mean? Like it is nice yeah. to have a powerful weapon feel powerful through the gameplay. You know what I mean? Like it would be very um what's the word uh, uh not weird but like contradictory or something to have like a you know big giant hand cannon of a shotgun and when you shoot it goes pew <laughs> you know it just be like it just feel weak you know it's supposed to be this big old blunderbuss thing you know so like i mean sure there's like something there but for me it's not i really don't don't care. I could like take it or leave it. Probably more on the leave it side, personally. Yeah. But... 
I, I think so, especially given it's like dev work. It's not just like tweaks, you know? It's um, proper mm. like, you know, dismemberment effects and, and blah, blah. Like maybe you could turn it up a little bit. But um, also I get one funny thing though, is like for me as a creator, I'm just kind of like, oh, don't turn it up too much because YouTube starts talking. Yeah, it's like the other part. Do we really want it to be like super gory? Like, what's I guess like, you could that, turn it down, maybe. Yeah, I mean, if it's like toggleable, like that would help. But I just, I, you know what I mean? It's just kind of one of those things where it's like, like I said, it's not very high on my part of this because it's it's not like a gameplay feature so much. I mean, I mean, there's like a little bit of elements that could be interesting. Like, you would have blood on your face shield, you have to like wipe it off and and such. Oh like, yeah, because they were talking about that, weren't they? Yeah, about like. Or if you shoot somebody with a face shield, then you put the face shield on and it's like got blood on the inside kind of thing. Like some of the little details like that, which would, again, it'd be cool. But there's lots of stuff that'd be cool in Tarkov where we think, well, do we actually want these? Like it's a really a prioritization exercise at this point, as opposed to, oh, this sounds great, you know? Yeah, I, I like Tarkov for the gameplay. I don't like it because it's simulating real life. That's kind of my approach so like i don't really care like i'm more of a leave it guy like i really don't need to see mm-hmm. blood and gore being speed across my screen when mm-hmm. i'm playing a video game so talking about like guns and shooting there was also they proposed like the recall rework as well with the admittance that like yeah bsg are already gonna do that i wasn't 100 percent sure it sort of looks like the system that they proposed to be honest it looks similar and um, because they did, they, I guess this is like the one criticism, well, one of the criticisms of the video that I would make is that I don't think they detail exactly what they did. So they showcased recoil, presumably in SPT or, or whatever, but what they actually did to it and how it handles, like they show it without controlling it, they show it with controlling it. But it's hard to know precisely like how that differs from what BSG has showcased, if you, if you know what I mean. It looks, it looks more like the standard like, it just goes up every time you pull down to compensate, but there's no the camera recoil and the weapon recoil are aligned so that you can always ADS and like look down the sights. So if you're using an iron sight, for example, the iron sights never misalign. That seems to be the fundamentals of it. It always it always goes up. You have to pull down, and the and the sights always are aligned. I, I think, but um, it's, it was kind of hard to tell. It was kind of hard to tell what they did, and like whether that's any different from BSG's approach. I don't. I don't really know. I don't. I don't feel like that was necessarily detailed enough. Um, there were two th- two two parts of it that they did go into, though. Firstly, was going full auto would lose arm stamina at a quicker rate, which I thought mm-hmm. was kind of interesting. Yeah, as same. you each shot, it's like the arm stamina go, goes down. So, you know, if you want to do a full, then it's just you just tank your arm stamina. Maybe that'd be good. I don't know. I I would actually really like to see more elements of that being incorporated, like more systems you need to manage, you know, because like right now, like health and energy, they're kind of like an afterthought, like they're important, but like only in like certain scenarios, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like either I'm running low and I need to think about it or I'm out, I need to do something immediately. It's kind of the only two scenarios that really matters. Um, Maybe, maybe like leveling, but whatever. Point, point being is like same of arm stamina, it's like it's very like, uh, like it doesn't feel like it matters all that much you know it's like oh i'm uh, holding an angle too long just take it off you know um that's one thing i liked about the realism mod was you had an option to turn on these stances where you get like different mm. pros and cons to each stance and essentially having no stance or you know sh- 
having the gun at the ready, not ADS, but that would like constantly drain stamina and that would scale of like the weight of the gun. So there's some really interesting, you know, choices and like strategies involved is like if you wanted to go uh, like SMGs kind of got a buff in a sense where they weight less so they didn't drain as much arm stamina. So you could like always yeah. have them at the ready. Whereas like these big heavy guns, they like like the scar H, for example, like it just it was like eating, eating stamina. So I had to like put it in a different, you know, have it lowered or, you know, raise it up high or whatever. And it was it was fun to like manage that aspect. Yeah, see, that's cool as well. And that gives that balancing feature for the big, long, heavy guns, which are typically the Tarkov meta because of the recall system and the way that modding works versus SMGs. Like we've talked before about things like this, you know, having move speed increases when you're ADS with SMGs um, versus regular weapons or just based on the weapon weight, something like that, um, to try and close that gap. Because, yeah, people just strap on the largest, highest caliber, most powerful bullets that they can in the longest possible gun. Unless you're going inside, you know, some people do try to shorten it down. That's why people have historically liked the black MDR. But yeah, it's, it's kind of an afterthought, right? It's like weapon power comes first and then then recoil and then length maybe in like a distant third. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, and then they, they also completely agreed with the multiplicative thing that I've been talking about to close the gap between the the meta weapons and stock weapons just to reduce the disparity between a 28 recoil m4 versus 75 or 80 at stock and that was the that was a piece of my video that they actually took they just took the charts the little excel bits which i was like nice nice yeah, yeah i thought that was cool every sensible person loves the multiplicative system <laughs> Everyone. Is it always almost impossible to argue against it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's little downsides. I mean, you, you could argue one. I mean, I could think of a couple. <laughs> you could argue like one downside is like progression is less meaningful, which I just, you know, sure. But I don't know if that's like really a bad thing in the world of Tarkov. But yeah, um, I think the upsides outweigh the, the cons personally. Mm. What was next? Um, yeah, I would just. So, yes. I was going to say a few more things about. Of course. The, yeah. yeah. Um, but recall. Go for it. I guess. Yeah, actually, I don't know. I Maybe. I, the only thing I was going to say really was. I just wonder. We just have to see once we get the new system because I just wonder mm-hmm. how much of. Because as you said, he didn't like detail any specifics. And I don't know if he's going to, like, if he did that. I'm assuming he did that intentionally because this is kind of the weird gray. Okay, so I'm just going to come out and say it. I believe that, like, 90% of what was in this video was <laughs> just straight up SPT mods, mm. <laughs> having played it and experienced myself. And so it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, and I don't say that to, like, disparage the person that made this video at all. It's more of, like, a praise or a testament to SPT because I think they have some really cool and clever ideas and like BSG could take a look at this stuff and, you know, evolve, adapt, whatever, you know, get inspired or, or whatever. And it's like, they have to like, like a lot of these guys too, they like straight up just post their source code, which I don't know how useful that would be. It could, I, I don't, I don't honestly don't know. I don't know enough about, so I'm not even going to speculate, but Point being is it's just like it feels like it's free real estate that's not really eating up anything 
So yeah. it's like someone like looking into it. You know what I mean? That's just like I, I just don't know why they're so allergic to it. And then it sucks because it's like I could I could just like make I could just like detail everything out or like post a link and like, hey, go check this out. But then it's like, oh, I'm going to get banned and then I'm going to get demonetized in this video. And like because like in some ways there's incentive for this person to make this type of video that, you know. There's like financial incentive, whatever. And it's like, good, good for you, you know, do that stuff. Like, that's kind of the thing I, I'm intrigued about. This type of content is like, on one hand, I'm, I'm going to go off in a rabbit hole, but like on one hand, it's like, I could do all this labor and like, okay, BSG, here's how you fix it. Here's how you design the perfect system. Here's how you do it. And then it's like, well, I'm just kind of just like handing over free label to BSG, but let me at least make a good video that's like entertaining and mm-hmm. like can get me some money but it's like how do you do that it's like it's 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 really it's a weird place to be but it's just kind of unfortunate that i feel like the people in general can't be like very direct in in how they're presenting this type of stuff because fear of repercussion you know what i mean yeah and it's like absolutely. sure bsg's in there right but i just feel like in some ways like why like you're practically getting free labor here. It's like, why? Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand it. Yeah, and it's like, you don't need to incorporate anything they do. Just just use it, you know? Like, you don't, like, yeah. Just you don't even it, have to, like, use it in, like, yeah, you don't even have to use the code, anything. Just, just, just at least, look. I mean, maybe they are, but, like, they can never actually say. Right. Oh, and I they're, still... they're the, they're the, <laughs> they're the ruling. Well, because they don't want to be seen to endorse it or whatever, right? So even oh, if they they're were, the ones... like, they're the ones in charge, so to speak. So, like, who cares? They're the only ones that have issue with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I still don't fully understand their rationale, right? Like, if it's to do with hacking and things, then, like, it's a hard line for them to tread, I think. But I don't know. It, it's it's tricky. The only thing I can think of is they're worried about, like, a coup or, like, a takeover, you know? Like, the I mean, we kind of seen a little bit of this with, like, that whole, like, labs, you know... It's such a different thing, though, right? Like, nobody... There's only a niche community that's going to care about that stuff, surely. I mean, maybe they think, oh, maybe it'll grow, though. Maybe, you know. Well, that's... I mean, there's, like, a couple... Like, one, you could think about, like, you know... Uh, this... If if it were to grow so popular, and it was just so much... It was it was a better product than, hypothetically, Tarkov. Um, and they had, like, you know, all the features, better anti-cheat, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, this is all hypothetical. Then, like, technically, they have, like, totally stolen all of BSG's assets. And if they start mm. selling the product, it's like, well, that's, like, a big, you know what I mean? And you think about yeah. it, if you're going to have servers and anti-cheat, how are you going to fund that? You got to sell something. So it's, like, it, there's, like, a lot of, like, I could see, you know, they want to, like, protect their IP and, like, their business and money maker. I, I could see that, but I just don't. And maybe the other argument is, well, they want to do single-player mode eventually, and this is, like, cutting into that, but. I just feel like a lot of the stuff I see here is like, you know, again, there's, you don't pay for anything at best. The people put their link for their donation and they're, you know, Hey, if you want to donate, I do all this. I work nine to five, just like you, but I do this on the side for fun. And it's like, they're actively doing things to solve real issues. Yeah. I just don't know. It's just, it's like, it's, it's, I'll, I'll never understand it until I hear it from like, someone at the stream themselves like a reason why but mm-hmm. no i agree i yeah i agree 
there's allergic they're over allergic to it i think because like yeah that's the thing because tarkov doesn't have mod support that kind of opens the floodgates in the first place like if tarkov had mod support then mm-hmm. we wouldn't need to do this mm-hmm. you know it's like oh they're reverse engineering our code yeah because it's like there's literally no other way to do it like people are going to do it no matter whether you it's a bit like it's a bit like hackers right the passionate mod and dev community will break your game and they will yoink it and do stuff with it there's no two ways about it it's just gonna happen so other games have thrived with mod support but bsg don't want to go down that route for their own reasons um so they're sort of like philosophically incapable of admitting taking feedback from it which is as we said is a shame because there are some great ideas there are some great ideas such as um zoom variables with a small animation so having like variable zoom for like voodoo and stuff but having it come out slightly i put it in the video a little bit yeah so like either having like a small animation for for changing the the variability like especially on the one with the holographic that like switches out i know that scope is just garbage in general but like if that got fixed then that you know would be kind of kind of interesting and a good way to balance the lpvos to have an animation to actually change that that yeah, the scope power or whichever, so that you're not just like clicking in and out. Because right now it is crazy that you can be in like 6x mode and then just like click to 1x mode. There's a reason why people use them almost in every raid. Because if you've got a, a one a one to something scope, the the one as long as the, the one times is actually usable, then you could just use it in CQB. Like I do it all the time. Right. I don't really use Cantids. I just tend to use the one times on Voodoo, the Razor, the Schmidt, whichever one I'm using, or the Alcan. Doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. It's, uh, I don't know, it's interesting that we don't have it in the game yet. Like, I'm not, maybe it's just, I don't know, I won't speculate, but it, it's a fine, the toggle system is fine, but yeah. I feel like, you know, it, it could be better. My understanding of it is that at the minute it's set up just as like, they're like, each one is its own distinct profile, so there's the, you'd have to re- com- completely reconfigure the way that the zooming model works without like... Putting in, you know, 10 different profiles for every scope for, like, each zoom level and stuff. Like, maybe you could make that work. But, like, a, a smooth zoom, I don't think it's possible because of the way it's designed right now um, is my understanding of it. But, yeah, be, be interesting. Um, they also, like, suggested adding the no FOV change as, like, an option mm-hmm. when you right-click. I, I still, I do it sometimes when I'm, it's normally when I'm fighting AI and I'm using the small lean because it ends up those those keys actually interact with each other in the way that allows me to do the thing but i do it by accident i've still never seriously used it for like a full raid to see how it feels like not changing the fov when you ads some people do prefer it but i just don't know if it's actually better well i think having the option is going to be better by default because you get you get choice to people mm. um i think that's fair to say but uh, anyway my my main uh, there's, some, there's a couple of things to say. So one is FOV, depending on how it's done, affects sensitivity, like FOV changes. Uh, like I was playing, I've been playing a lot of Battlebit recently, and I was trying to like play with sensitivity because they got like, kind of like your your all we'll the sliders. <laughs> yeah, it's like you got your effectively hip fire sensitivity. And then you got your ADS sensitivity, and then you got all your individual scope sensitivities, right? One through eight or whatever it goes up yeah. to. And how it works is each scope has its own FOV that it locks, that it fixes to. So, like, mm-hmm. 
in the first person, you know, AD, or sorry, the hip fire mode, quote unquote, you can set your ADS and earlier, sorry, FOV in the settings um, from like 120 or 60 to like 120, right? But when you go into one times, it locks at 60 FOV. And then when you go in two times, it locks at 45 FOV and you go so on and so on. And what happens there is the way that the camera effectively, because you know we're playing a video game and it's, it's a camera, the way that the camera systematically approaches FOV um, can affect how your sensitivity of your game gets changed. There's mm-hmm. like a whole I think acronym for like film or, or something, and there's like some that use length measurement. I, anyways, point being they're they're also because like this topic kind of like bleeds into another which is like sensitivity and stuff and like i really want it to be like in a way where it's configurable because it's so i even had a hard time with battle of it because i had to do like this math where i took my because i wanted to get my sensitivity one to one but i'm playing on like 103 fov and then when i ADS, you know, depending on the scope I'm using, it goes to a different FOV, which then multiplies the, or like affects the sensitivity. So you have to like take the percentage difference there and then multiply it. And then if your hip fire sensitivity and your ADS sensitivity aren't the same, then, you know, the one to one, the the thing's off. So there's like, there's like all this math you got to do. It's just, it's really annoying. Um, Yeah. But having something more like congruent where it's like, like a couple of games have this. Um, uniform aim, I think, is like the general concept. But like Rainbow Six Siege, for example, has did something like they previously weren't like this, and now they are. Where it's there's only like a few knobs. Well, there's like a lot of knobs, but like it's it's uniform, right? So if you change it here, it changes it there. Like it keeps everything, mm. gives you a lot of control, <clears throat> and um, it just I, I don't know. For me personally, it's like one of those things where it makes the enjoyment factor of the game so much more better um but back back to the fov topic uh <laughs> i got way off there um i personally like having a little bit of fov zoom when i ads like in like in battle Break, for example because it goes from one 103 to 60 it's like you effectively when you're running around scanning the area you have all this field of view effectively mm-hmm. and then when i want to see the target i ads and then i get locked to 60 so it's like zooms in on them effectively so it's kind of nice to have that but i have played spt with the mods that have don't don't have that zoom and you know it feels it feels fine like it's it's okay but the one feature that i liked was which daisy has something similar is a separate zoom key where you sort of like focus you know your your eyesight, and you and you zoom in a little bit, and and I actually really like that because it's there's like some situations where you want to ADS, but you don't really want to have your camera zoom, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, maybe you do. I mean, it's just it's just kind of nice, and plus you could like a, a zoom while not ADSing. Sometimes that was useful. Like there's anyways more choices, things like this. I like. I, at the bare minimum, I would say like having the option to toggle it on or off would be nice. Yeah, yeah, this is true. It's funny how it became. It just turned up accidentally, right? Like they blocked turning while you were in ADS, and then they put it back, and it's like, oh, and now you can do this thing that wasn't intended. But uh, 
It's kind of yeah, it's kind of funny, really. Um, what else? So, yeah, they were talking about like blocking ADS with face shields. I think that's like you know that would that's fine. There's not too much to say. It's, yeah, unless you're using a pistol or a special stock that comes under the face shield. Like, there's lots of weird stuff that like clips in at the moment, and it makes MVGs and face shields. Like, I think this was maybe more of an argument back in the day when face shields were used all the time. But like, hardly anybody uses a face shield now. Like, I just never see them in raid. Like, no one, no one wears them. People can't really wear the Alton anymore because you can't buy it. So they're like super rare. So people tend not to take them out unless they're really just wanting to like chat out. But nobody wears the multi-hit ballistic face shield anymore. I think that might be down to. I wonder whether it's just like the player base, right? Because like people used to use all sorts of stuff. I feel like, you know, creators like me are partly to blame, but like everybody kind of knows what the thresholds are for using what yeah. bullets against what things. And now because everybody uses like good stuff most of the time, your class three face shield just doesn't do anything. Really doesn't do anything. Like occasionally it's good against scavs, but even with the multi-hit one, it's like it only hits, it only protects the face, not the ears. And it's hard to get, unless you're wearing like a really, really high tier helmet then you won't have ears protection anyway. And even if you do, it's class three. So most people are like, well, I'd rather just go with the ULAC than I get class four on the ears too, and I'll just leave my face unprotected because if I get hit there, then it'll just be, I'll just, I'll just eat the L. <laughs> um, but I just never see them now. I don't, and they also locked it behind samples. So people, and that's, that's probably, probably too another, much either. That's probably another big factor is that they're locked behind samples. Like mm, the good ones are banned forever. off the flea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Battle of the Flea behind samples cost too much money. I think it's like 60k for a multi hit, something like that. But it's just like, it's just too much. I think people might wear them if they were like 20 or 30. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm not. That is kind I'm of like, sure. oh, it's the cost of like two nades or like cost of a stim, you know, and it might save my face from a buckshot scarf, like potentially. It's, I feel like there's a lot of contributing factors. I mean, like, like you said, the, you know, meta has been like the same and figured out for quite some time. Um, plus, it's changed where market is not as good as it used to be both in terms of buying and selling um bitcoin is like i guess i guess i don't know what's bitcoin at what wasn't selling for a lot recently whatever point is there was like some there was a lot of money back in the day so maybe you were like oh whatever i'll buy a class 3 face shield even though everyone's probably running with a golnik and whatever in uh in the five back in the day those were popular mm. um so there's probably a lot of factors but i i, I will say <laughs> I will say, if they ever do like reduce the availability of high tier ammo, which would be like a buff to face shields, then this feature would be a good balancing feature and also very on point for Tarkov to maintain the realism quota because it is very unrealistic that you can shoulder the gun with the face shield clipping through it and iron sighting. Um, and yeah, there was like a cool. Uh, another thing with the realism on it was a um, another stance that would like I only I could only get it to work with face shields and MVGs, but if it wasn't cape you know compatible, the gun you're using wasn't compatible with face shields, then you would when you would go to ADS you would like cant the entire gun. Mm. I don't know if that's the right word, but you would angle it like 45 degrees, which was kind of interesting. Like I'm not sure the like you still weren't looking down the sights, but you were like closer to the gun itself so it was like more relatively speaking easier to aim with because it was yeah, relatively closer to your eyesight but it wasn't yeah, like it's blocking. not like it's not like point fire it's like you know it's like right you're yeah. like looking like right down the barrel kind of thing and if you know. had a laser on there it was like really it felt really good um so yeah that, that's another thing they could 
maybe do if they wanted to. But... Yeah. Because it does look awesome with the laser, especially. It's like very like Call of Duty, you know? I think. Yeah, Call yeah, Call of Duty. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Night, for night raids. Mm-hmm. Or night, mm-hmm. yeah, the night missions where you like that with the going man. Yeah. It just feels very, very operator. It's very cool. Um, so the next one was a very interesting one, actually, the, about the weight system. Like We've talked about the weight system before, and I think really the, the main argument was just for scaling the weight system more gradually, like kind of like we talked about, but you know, as the debuffs add together as you go up, rather than it just being like all of a sudden you get loaded with like lower move speed, lower ergo, you know, lower this, lower that, like less stamina, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's like on the video it shows I think it's just like you know, lower movement first and then lower something else lower something. like each time you get to a threshold it kind of or even have them gradually come in I suppose which is usually my preference so that people don't game the thresholds but have these things come in gradually as you go through the weight um, the, the, the different weights I suppose until mm-hmm. you end up with like kind of what you have now a high weight but there was like one mechanic in there that I thought was really nice which is kind of combating people's um discussions about you know being punished for looting and blah blah but it was like a comfort mechanic for the rucks that for the bags i thought that was a really cool idea so you have like the crappy bags like the sling bags like awful to carry stuff in i've run to a train before with the sling bag on it is not it is not nice whereas <laughs> if you have a you know an actual like proper rucksack they they were basically right. saying like a comfort mechanic which reduces the weight of the items inside by like a certain percentage so your comfort's like i don't know 120 percent and you get 20% off the, the weight of the items in the bag, something like that, so you can carry more if you're carrying like a higher quality bag with, with you know, more ergonomic features to it. But like, I, mean, I think that'd be kind of nice. That would allow people to like amplify a little bit while still sticking with the weight system that we have right now. Because I think that's all it needs. I think it just needs a little bit of like detuning slightly, as they said, like making it slightly more scaled in and um, potentially allowing people to take a little bit more out before they're you know, highly over-encumbered. Um, and I think that would go a long way to help that. I quite liked that idea. Yeah, I I like I like it as well. I think um I think it's a very good like things like this that aren't intrinsic to real life. You know what I mean? Because like sometimes, mm-hmm. like when it comes to balancing, it feels like sometimes they don't have a lot of knobs to turn. Because like for example, the weight of a particular item, it's like they you know by BSG's criteria, I feel like they don't really want to like change it to be unrealistic. You know what I mean? Mm. Like maybe there's a little bit of wiggle room with something, but it's like. You know, they did that one update where, like, these weapon parts were, like, not the right weight, and now they are the right weight, and it was, like, you know, 0.4 kilograms of difference. Like, how much mm-hmm. does this really matter? You know, it's, like, it wasn't even, like, a balance thing. It was just, like, a correcting the record type of thing. But, like, something like this it's more, like, nebulous, like, comforts. It's not like, you know, I can measure my backpack's comfort on a scale or something. You know what I mean? It's, like, so it gives them yeah. a knob to, like, play with, and that could, like, do some balancing stuff, which is, like, Stuff like that I really want more of in Tarkov in general. I think that's a really good point because, you know, carrying, I don't know what, but, you know, what's a, a sort of classic item in Tarkov that's Double relatively heavy? Heavy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> heavy, my bad. Tank a car battery, battery then, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Tank battery's probably too far, but, like, yeah, carrying a car battery in your arms mm-hmm. quite clearly feels a lot heavier than it, having it in a rucksack that's, like, on your back, over your shoulders it's just a very different thing and it feels mm. lighter right or it's like at least easier to carry so yeah having a measure for that it's not unrealistic but as you say it gives them something that's not like they can't be like held to the weight of the tasmanian tiger 35 right. rucksack right but it's like oh yeah how do you measure the comfort okay well it gives us some way of like 
retuning the weight system and we can turn those dials up and down without having to change like every single item in the game and applying like oh you know dimitri has to go and you know multiply the database by 0.9 again <laughs> to try and like get, get it to the right thing and they end up like forgetting about a load of items and going to the wrong like this just it's an easy catch-all it's easy to code mm. or easy to from a programming perspective to fiddle with without having to mess about with everything right it's like when they changed all the turn speed stuff for armors and their headsets and blah 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 but they forgot about like the 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 avantail and the face shields and stuff right it's like oh because they were from a different category like it's so easy to overlook that stuff when you're just making you know a couple of changes um it would be good. I, I really would quite like it, actually. And it doesn't even need to be that much to start with. Like, you could make 20% like the most, comfort, like the best comfort level and scale it in and just kind of see how it feels and uh, sort of balance it that way as well. Like it's, yeah, it'd be, it'd be good. I, I like the idea of it a lot. Yeah. And I, and I like his approach to the, the stage system or like the, the way the overweight scales, like just as a brief to, for the audio listeners, like there's stage one, movement speeds decrease, stage two, you add in fall damage increase stage three, you add in stamina drain increase stage four, you add in reduced jump height. So you kind of get like these like flat um, debuffs for each mm. stage you go through. And then I'm assuming they scale as well as you increase your like... weight. Um, instead of right. Cause right now I think it's like very, there's maybe only like one or two stages, I guess three there's like overweight uh isn't there is there an orange state i forget or is it just i mean at the minute it's just at the minute it's just overweight and critical but some stuff does okay some things do still i think the ergo penalty still scales in there i believe i've never actually tested it but i'm I'm pretty sure it does so there are some things but yeah it's just like three weights like underweight normal weight critical weight at the moment so yeah you're very incentivized to either be like just underweight or you may as well just carry loads of stuff Right, and I guess here it's like there's a little bit more play because like now between stage four and five, it's like not only is the penalties from stage four increasing when I go to five, but now there's this new penalty where I make more more noise. Yeah, right. So there's like a little bit more granularity between each within the overweight zone mm-hmm. as far as mm-hmm. added penalties. It's kind of neat. I like that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there was a whole section about like small containers. Mm-hmm. to help with the step up between you know if you normally go and get the junk box it's like 1.1 million or something but to try and just yeah help quality of life for like inexperienced i guess or more casual people things like what do they have like a toolbox which is like a mini junk box ammo pouch mag mag pouch stuff like that things were they would use typically like i don't know four by four um three by four those kind of sizes that they were suggesting i mean that would be fine i have nothing to say against it really i mean like ammo box is something that i usually try to do with for do with that for as long as possible, but I end up having to buy one because you just got ammo like all over your stash when you start on a wipe and it's just dreadful. Um, they're quite expensive these days. So it's like, do I wait for the quest or do I just like manage all this ammo? I have ammo stuffed into rigs and things like it's, it's, it's horrible. It really is horrible. So I wouldn't mind. I honestly wouldn't mind more things like this, but I know BSG are like a little anti like stash avoidance. They quite like the squeeze, probably also from a financial perspective. That's right? true. Like, I think people hate yeah. being on the standard, and it's like part of the incentive <laughs> to upgrade to EOD is like right. the you know having your balls put in a vice by the standard account. <laughs> yeah, you can't make it too comfortable living for the standard account players. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether they'd actually do it or not. I'm not sure. <laughs> one one like thing I like about this 
this idea that I've kind of had is like take the tool set for example mm. and like what if instead of it being a fixed item it said it was a container and like when you looted it maybe it would have like random stuff in there but you could basically the idea is like this sort of risk reward scenario kind of like what we used to have back in the day just on a much larger scale where you could bring in junk boxes in the right <laughs> but like a similar concept where you could bring in like a tool set in a right it's mm. like a container and like you could loot toolbox like tool items and put it in there to like save space and maybe you know the comfort things applies or whatever but you know yeah kind of like but it's like an ex- it's an investment on some man i don't know how much it would be but you know just something to kind of spice it up a bit more you know add that extra yeah. risk reward to it i could see that i could see that there was like a ho- there's like a whole other bunch of stuff mm-hmm. um which i, don't I mean i'll just like <laughs> <laughs> but like Put our most, putting our most stats in the game, which I think we're pretty much universally in agreement upon. And I'm also the thing from Lost Light, which is this ammo is, you know, rated against class four or something. If it's like 35 pen or above, you know, up to the next threshold of like 45. Just so that people have a lot more of an idea about the ammo and the stats, because, yeah, having to go out to look at spreadsheets is you know, not necessarily that good for the game. Like, why? It's like people aren't finding out by trial and error. People are just like finding out from me or the, the wiki the minor, or, right. or wherever um and if you don't do that you just simply have no idea what's going on <laughs> yeah i mean back in the day um you know anton for example he used to do like these tests i was like you know quite some time ago oh, gee. yeah and then we in had, raid yeah like he, like this was no offline mode this was just like live him and this you know <laughs> dummy pc this other PC, I guess, would, you know, record it, put up the results, and it's like, yeah, I mean, it's very, like, crude way of doing things, but, you know, people are going to do these things, and then the, the, the eventually we get to the point where it's, like, the mining or whatever, uh, you know, it's just, like, I I think that's a good compromise, though, is them putting in this this ammo is rated for this class. Like, I think he had an example, which I think so. I've not seen before. Like that might have been, yeah. Like, I don't know that seems for effective against class four. That might have been, maybe that's a mod, maybe something didn't post, whatever. It doesn't really matter. I think that's like a pretty good compromise because it's not giving you the exact detail that is kind of in itself an arbitrary number that you need to know how the whole system functions as a whole. This is like a similar to that idea, but very like concentrate and simplified that a layperson can understand you know yeah which is what it needs to be in the game i think so because i just i mean i don't know <laughs> like bigger bigger bullet doesn't always mean more damage i mean maybe you know because there's like cartridge so like you get you know, like there's some knowledge but it's just like oh man it's a video game like i watched the <laughs> i watched the documentary uh half-life 25 year anniversary so valve put out a, a documentary for it and um, Gabe was t- speaking, and he, you know the the CEO, the founder, and he was talking about you know the, him and some guys. They were talking in a room, and they were like, "Yeah, we we, we want to put this in the game, but it's not realistic. How can we do that?" And he was like, "Well, what do you mean it's not realistic? Real realistic is like I have to go to the store every day and write down a list of items I need to buy from the grocery store and buy it, and and that's realism, and that's not fun. Video games are fun, like." Who cares about realism? It's like, oh my god, yes, thank you. <laughs> Finally, someone said it with someone. Gabe agrees. Yeah, I was just like, Gabe thank agrees. God, thank God he said it. 
Yeah, it was pretty. I saw your you posted on Twitter about it, right? And I was just like, <laughs> oh boy, that's like, yeah, it's a godly take. It's a godly take. Now you see why I'm a Val fanboy. <laughs> the the true colors are shown. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is actually interesting? So, this is, yeah, it's just like random random bits, like putting maps in special slots, like making maps actually useful, uh, stacking small stuff, three high like batteries, comparisons in the in the like modding screen. There's just like a bunch of stuff, like tool tips for like quest required or hideout required stuff. It's like a lot of like other quality of life things. I don't think there's anything like super important out of this. Oh, actually, there was one that was kind of cool, which is the um, and feel free to go back to any of the others if you want. But like combining soft armors with armored rigs, like used to happen. Um, and it's like well, back oh, in the like, day, you used to, be able to do it like way before I even started playing. Like being right. able to put like a packer underneath, say like I don't know TTSK. I think so. You can have like class two elsewhere. And I wonder whether that will eventually come with the armor system. I don't know. They, they might too. just do it, to be honest, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's something that could make a return now that we got this mm. uh, armor hit zones coming. Yeah, I like guess... certain armors could be compatible with, like, un- underlay, right. you know, whatever like soft a, armors. Yeah, I could totally see, like, armor rig being compatible with, like, an armor mm. vest within reason. Yeah, know? like, if it's a carrier and it doesn't actually have any of its own, like, built-in soft armor right, then right can well see it being compatible with something like a packer or, or whatever yeah i guess just a couple of the things i want to mention quality life wise like the i like the stacking of items you could stack mm. like double a batteries which is like it's kind of a nice quality life thing but i mean it's you know in some ways i respect the hard code decision of um yeah i guess there's like very few items like bullets one thing I could think of, but like the very strict rule of not being able to stack items in, in a single cell, you know, they each have to take up their their cell, which yeah. you know I kind of like, but then it kind of gets into that part where it's like, well, they also waste stuff, so it's like I don't know, it's just kind of you know what I mean? There's like some it really sucks that this one item that weighs you know nothing is taking up this entire cell, you know, yeah, but um, doesn't even really matter, like. You know, it's only because those things also don't sell for much on the flea. It's like a combination between, like, if it weighs not a lot, but it takes up one slot, but it's got high value, you don't care because you can take it anyway. It's sort of interesting, yes. right? It's like a, it's a a combination of the value and the the weight slash size that makes you think, like, oh, this is something like no one cares about the fact that you can't stack lead X's three times because you don't care if it takes one slot because you can get that thing pulled out true, of the way anyway. True. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. Yeah. So it's yeah. I don't know. It's, it's um. I also don't, it's just not really like, it, it's, it would be good, but I just don't think it's necessary. Yeah. It's a small, uh, mm. I agree. It's like a small, nice to have. The, the, the big one that I would love to have is what's shown here on the screen where each item has a check mark that's color coded associated with it. And when you hover over it, it tells you what it's used for. Things like, there's even an option for wish list. It'll tell you if it's on your wish list, which is neat. Mm. Uh, but it will say, like, need it for lavatory. Or sorry, need of yeah, need for lavatory. You have X out of X currently in your stash. Like it's just kind of nice to be able to like. It's uh, it's just one of those things. Like I'm playing, I've been playing long enough, so I have like a general idea. But every now and then, I need to reference the wiki or something, and it's just like, it's such a. It it's just boring. Feels, it just feels like yeah. Um, I don't know. 
it's boring and feels artificial when you're like, do I need this item? Because I've got my my hideout to like lavatory two. And I can't remember if this thing's for lavatory three or two. Like I, I'm not, I can't remember. Is it for another quest or something? I forget. So I have to like go and look it up. Oh yeah, it's for this thing. Because the game is like too like fixed in its requirements. Um, I guess it wouldn't prevent you from looking stuff up for the future, but it just shows you what you need like right now, which is fine. I think that'd be okay. I would say something that might get me some flack, but in my opinion, BSG should be grateful for the wiki because otherwise I just don't see how you reasonably expect people to tolerate this type of stuff because without the wiki, I could not be bothered. I think, I think like some people would just be lost. And... I think that's very fair. I just don't think the quests are even really completable without it for the most people. Right. But the wiki is just the, com- the community's aggregation of the way that people have figured out to do various things. Um, it's like the new quest got there real quick because all it takes is one person to figure it out. But like, how on earth would you even do the Lightkeeper one that I just did to find the flash drive in the 20 spots inside the water treatment plant, right? That quest is hard enough, even when you know where the spots are. And then the flash drive is like minuscule. It's tiny. Sometimes it's hidden under stuff. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, I just, there's just so many things. Like, it's just the weird. not written well enough to allow you to actually do it. But even like the example, like I need a drill for the stash or whatever, for like a hideout upgrade. It's like mm. I wouldn't know that prior to doing it before. And then it's like, you know, without the wiki, it would just be like a really bad space. You have to remember every time it's like write down a piece of paper. You know, one quality life feature mm. would be just putting it, integrating the game. But like in some ways, they're not really incentivized to do that because the wiki's already doing it for them. So it's just like, a few different yeah. clicks, but then it's like the the irritating part to me is like some of the hostility because the hostility is towards it is like solving a problem. You know what I mean? That I just it's just that's why I say in some ways I feel like there should be some like gratefulness towards the community solving the problems for like there's clearly a user problem, like a bad user experience that's being solved. It's not still not yeah. a great user experience, but it's like the best, one of the better things we could do. Yeah, because like, the wiki for Tarkov is at least actually pretty good. Yeah, even <laughs> like the Battle Buddy app, for example, like that's another like it's solving a, a problem for yeah. users, you know. Exactly. Yeah, and that solves the problem that like the ballistics chart on the wiki isn't detailed enough to tell you what's actually going on and really to make like fully informed decisions. Like it gives you an idea and really tell you what's actually happening. Until you like drill down even further and go and look into these things. Yeah, uh, it's it's weird, isn't it? It's like without the wiki, you almost would could argue that the community could like you know w- or would complain. Maybe it just wouldn't have got there because basically wouldn't have done it. But like you, the community may have like complained into getting some of this stuff in the game. But because the community's like found its own solution now, as you said, basically don't need to because it's already been solved by someone else. There's almost this sort of like weird, like it's almost like moral hazard about it. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's strange. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting relationship because I feel like, you know, I've heard other people speak on BSG's behalf. Like, you know, I don't know if this is actually BSG stance, but my understanding is that they're very, like they wanted the game to be like this grand puzzle that people had to like, just figure out, you know, they wanted like, you just had to, you just had to figure out if the ammo is good or not type of mentality, mm-hmm. you know, like you, whatever. Yeah. And so they were like sort of like hostile towards anything doing anything on their part. So the community's like, okay, fine, we're gonna do something. 
And then I just wonder if the things weren't... Because when I played the game, I heard about the importance of the ammo chart, and I had to look it up, and I had to study, and I had to memorize it, and I had to, like, figure out what it meant. And it significantly improved my experience playing the game, because, God, I would hate to be playing the game and using some crappy ammo and just, like, wondering why I'm dying. You know what I mean? So how much of the success of Tarkov is an indirect product of the wiki and the community solving the problems for, you know what I mean? I, that's yeah. just an interesting relationship. Exactly. A lot. Yeah. I, th- I think the BSG have like softened their stance on that a lot. Because like, the wiki's like, you know, allowed, it was even allowed, you know, they had the no third party help thing and it was even allowed for that. Like, I, I think the wiki's just become like, they're symbiotic at this point. They're, they're, it's part of, it's part of the game. I think it's so. part of I the mean, experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like, they do know that. I just feel like the next step, which, you know, probably is the next step, but just sort of like, putting aside that old mentality because i just mm. wonder how we'll see we'll see you know we'll what see. will that will that continue so there was one the, the very last piece um i know we've talked about this for quite a long time now but um the very last piece that i actually disagreed with was okay. about basically like artificially extending the amount of time that it takes people to get through the quest lines by time gating the quest not necessarily for like 24 hours but like six hours say between mm-hmm. each quest, like each parts of chemical, each parts of Punisher, that kind of thing. And I just don't really know what that is going to achieve. Other than like, yeah, it'll slow down the people who want to keep playing. But I don't know really if like, the, I think there's better ways to go about that. If you, if you, it depends on what your what outcome you actually want, right? Just like slowing down the player base. Yeah, you could lock traders off globally until a certain amount but allow people to still get rep and whatever i don't think like stopping people from questing and wait giving them 24 hours or six hours to wait for the next one is really a very good experience for the people who like to grind and tarkov's like quite a grindy game right so you have to appreciate that some of the players are going to be the grinder type i don't know i'm just it doesn't sit that well with me like the, some of the lightkeeper quests are time gated some of the gunsmith quests are time gated and it's quite annoying to be perfectly honest with you yeah um yeah i agree i uh i I share a similar opinion i mean i i had said something to the effect in a comment on the video and i said something to the effect of you know i don't i just don't like it when a game punishes me for being efficient with my time Mm. i think that's like kind of this the most reductive way i could put it it's like you know that's how it feels like i was doing the gunsmiths and it's like you get blocked and it's like well i can't go any further like i want to go further because i get more xp maybe i unlock some attachment i really you know value it's like i can't i just have to sit like i basically have no reason to keep playing the game because that was what i wanted to do but now the game's saying you can't be efficient for your time you need to (laughs) you need to pace yourself which is weird because most games like especially live service games they're all about like wanting you to keep playing you know it's like oh Mm. if you play five more hours you get this free reward or whatever you know so it's kind of weird, but maybe that's fine for Tarkov. But I just think it's kind of a bad way of, like, I respect the uh, position he wants to, like, or the goal he wants to achieve is, like, slowing down the progression of the game. Like, it, it is kind of crazy that people get capped and, like, what was, what was it, like, nine days? Something like that. I think like, I mean, a... I mean, you know, shout out to the grind and the skill and, you know, the, the capacity to do all that. It's just, like... But that's kind of, I mean, that's crazy to me. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just a lot. But uh, in general, I just feel like, yeah, there's too much. Um, 
I don't know. It's just there's, there's such a big importance. I you know, I mean, I've said this many times. I really like the early wipe experience. I like using I don't like using the best stuff all the time. And especially that the meta has been so figured out and so solved. It just becomes very stale and stagnant. Early wipe is really fun, exciting because you get you have small glimpses of those moments where you have to make interesting decisions. It's like, you know, I don't have this. I have such limited things I can reliably have. I found something that's like, you know, useful. Maybe it's like a suppressor. It's like, oh, do I use it? But it's not like an ideal suppressor. It's not even ideal for the gun I'm using. So I have to get a new gun. It's like, is this worth? Should I just sell? Like, you know, there's a lot more mm. things to, to decide on. So I feel like keeping more of that in the game, I, I like that experience a lot. That's what I value. But some people yeah. like the experience of I'm constantly using the best stuff, you know, the very like skill, skill crowd, which I, I feel like I'm leaning more. <laughs> and from our last from our last podcast, I feel like I'm leaning more into like Tarkov is more in like the high skill, high luck category, but exactly yeah. where it sits, I don't I don't really know. Um, yeah, like some some of the ones that I don't mind a twenty like a, a time gate like here and there, and uh, that doesn't bother me too much. Like if they want to keep that, like oh, you know, you can't do Lightkeeper too fast because it's like you know you got to build your reputation with him. It's almost like like part of the story. Then I'm like not as fussed, but like putting it between every quest, I, like if they're trying to lean into the narrative more, then like I kind of get it. But like I ha- for me, I, there has to be a purpose. It has to be like, oh, mechanic needs to go and do whatever, right? But like Tarkov's so light on the story right now that it just feels awkward and clumsy being in the game and just feels bad. That's my position. So what you're saying is like you don't mind it if it's in the story, or were you saying you don't mind it if it's like in the gameplay, like rep and whatnot? I don't mind it if it's like part of the story. Like if there's like a, a rationale as to why the, the block is there. Okay, you so know, like as long as it fits like, within the fiction of the, the game. Yeah, as long as it fits okay. within the fiction of the game and it's like, you know, you're trying to get to like even mechanics got to go and deliver him something. He's just like, look, you've got to wait like a couple of hours before I, you know, come back and blah, blah. But, and so long as it's not too often. I don't want like every <laughs> quest to be blocked in between because then it starts to get annoying, right? It's like, okay, well, maybe now this is realistic, but this is actually just a pain in the ass. Um, and especially with gunsmith, like part of the joy of gunsmith is just going right. Today's gunsmith day, and you just sit down and you just like go build, 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 and it feels it's actually cool. It's just like the uh, dopamine, you know, progression. Yeah, you do get hit that you want. You get like eight in a row or yeah. whatever, and you collect all your rewards, and you're just like, I'm rich now. Although they've made the rewards not quite as good, but even still, it's nice to do them. Sit down, do them one one at a time. But yeah, if you get like you can only do three or something, and then you get blocked, and then you could do another three, and then get blocked. I, I just end up forgetting to do them. Um, I'm just like, oh, gotta do like three more, but now I'm feel like, and then I feel like I have to do the next one because I know there's a 24 hour time gate after it. Right. But I'm like, oh, I don't really feel like doing it right now. But like, if I don't do it, I can only do that one, and then I can't do any more. So I have to do this next one, even though I don't really want to. It, it puts like weird psychology on you, right? Most of the time. So like, yeah, if it's used sparingly and it's used in certain very specific situations for like a big event, like meeting the lightkeeper, and it's like, oh, you gotta wait six hours. I'll set everything up, and then you can go and meet him. And it's like, yeah, part of the narrative, then it's fine. But I think, uh, I even think now it's probably too much. And putting more in is just going to make the game like, more annoying, in my opinion. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't really like it. I just don't think it's, like, the intended target isn't hit. Like, I'm assuming the intended target mm-hmm. is the speedrunners, and, like, you just hit everyone equally in the flat. It's just, you know, I, mean, I don't know. I just, I prefer yeah. no time gates personally, but that's just mm-hmm. me. Yeah. All right, well, was there anything else? Uh, I think that's it. Kind of covered it piece by piece. Good video, though. 
agree with yeah, 95% of what's really in there. Good production value as well. Super good production. Go and watch it if you haven't, because it's, it's just nice to... It's visually appealing. Yeah. You know? Fun to watch. A treat for the eyes. <laughs> so, what next? Do you want to do anything specific, or do you want to talk about Nakon a little bit? Probably, I probably won't talk about it that much, but... Um... Sure, tell me about Nakon. What's... Uh... So, we talked about Nakon before, um, a little bit at least. We, yeah, we talked about it before, uh, maybe like, when was it, like a month ago? Because there's like a bunch of different stuff coming up. And it's not really, like, it, it's an extraction shooter of sorts. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's going to be very different, right? It's, it's not really like Tarkov at all, to be totally honest. It's much more like... I guess a a a Daisy sort of like a, like a low scale Daisy sort of like Last of Us kind of game. That's what I was gonna say. It kind of reminds me of Last of Us a bit. Y- yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of how it's gonna be. I think. So yeah, it's it's third person for a start, but I think that's not necessarily bad, depending on mm-hmm. how it ends up panning out. I think that's maybe okay. Um, it's it's basically like post apocalyptic zombie type game with. Of a strong focus on like the stealth aspect, it seems like you can buy weapons like revolvers and whatever, but it seems unwise from what I've seen so far because like all the zombies run at you, it's like the proper dinner bell kind of situation. Oh, right, of course. So, yeah, so most of the combat is done with uh melee, it appears. I don't know whether there's like crossbows and stuff that are silent, maybe. I mean, maybe there'll be the end game weapons or something. I'm, I'm not really sure. Like, there's not that many details yet. Um, but what's changed between when this release in the well kind of came out in the first place as being a game that's on the radar is they released like a 22-minute gameplay trailer of somebody like going through a, a raid. Um, and it's a lot of sneaking around, not waking up the zombies. Um, the thing about the zombies is that you can kill them, or disable them, quote-unquote, with like about six hits of you know various things. But it's like seven hits with a two-by-four plank is kind of the idea. But they resurrect after like three to five minutes. You can't actually oh. ever kill the zombies. Like they're, they're not killable, I don't believe. They're only disableable. If- you shoot them if that rule still applies or if it's different. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Um, but I think, like, in general, they're designed to be not, like, you're not supposed to just brute force your way through. You're mm-hmm. supposed to be mostly stealth. But there's quite a lot of interesting mechanics that I quite like. There's, you know, it's, it's PvPVE, um, mm-hmm. but the good weapons against the zombies are, like, the clubs and the planks and stuff. It's all the blunt weapons. Um, and the good weapons against other players are all the sharp weapons like swords right. and whatever and the the lacerating weapons don't really do anything to the zombies because they don't care so you have to hit them with the clubs so it's sort of like this you know right. this mix between stuff that you use to fight against players versus the ones you uh, you were talking about a game weren't you that was similar to that where you had like guns for shooting at ai or something was it a space yeah, game yeah it was that uh god i can't remember the name it was some. Um... Yeah, dead, that one dead, you were playing. Zone, Star Siege, something like that. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that had like, you know, different ammo types of stuff. And I guess it's a little bit sort of like the cycle in some ways as well. You know, there's ammos against different arm like the armors for the it's like PvE versus PvP. It's a you know, it's a it's a thing that we've seen a few times, but that's kind of interesting to have it on melee and the, the fact that they're kind of unkillable. But yeah, you could like use you throw bricks and stuff to distract the zombies and you're supposed to get in, loot loot stuff and then get out. And you've got there's like three different types of extract. There's you have like a PDA like tablet um, and you have like your personal extract, which is a manhole cover with like a um, so like a code lock on it that only responds to your PDA. 
you've got your own one. So every person gets their own like random extract. Then there's public extracts that anybody can take, but they only appear like halfway through or later into the into the session. And then there are like secret ones that you have to like find on the map, which is kind yeah. of interesting. So it's like there's not really the ability to extract camp unless you go out of the like if you go out of your private one, like no one else knows where that one is. Like maybe they'll be set. So who knows? Eventually, maybe people figure it out. But you know, given you all get a random like manhole to leave out of, it feels like extra camping is sort of dealt with that way. Um, if you want, if you want to avoid it, like it gives you like a safe exit from PvP, if you so wish. Like the thing that I'm more interested in that, like as there's basically no details about it at all at the moment, is that you go back from the raids to your like camp, and then you live as a citizen. You have to like pay rent. You have a citizen grade. <laughs> like you're compelled to like go out. If you're oh, a low grade citizen, you have to go out on the scavenger hunt like every time that it comes around like once a day i think but as you go up your citizen rank you can like not go and you can like rest and stuff so like maybe if you're like injured like as a low-grade citizen you just have to go anyway because you're just like the basic grunt <laughs> like as yeah as you go as you got the ranks like you can like not go out as often and stuff like i don't know how any of that works and i'm right. kind of in, that, that's the part that really intrigues me about the game because that could be the bit that's like actually really cool like right we've seen this kind of game before um and it's those it's those elements of like the yeah the society and how mm. how the economy works and like how the rank system works and what that looks like for progression like we, we just don't really know anything about that at the moment and I'm I'm interested to see the actual so I mean in, if you want to try it the game I'm trying to find out where the thing is yeah so the game is there's a pre-alpha test on the 30th of November until the 4th of December. So, I mean, I want to give it. A, what, I want to give it a try. This yeah. Oh, so in okay. a week, basically a week on Thursday, until the fifth of December. So yeah, okay. it's open for about five days. Wishlist on Steam. Okay. I mean, I, hmm. I mean, I think I might do the same here. Yeah. If you uh, if you want to wishlist it on Steam through the link in the the video I did about you know why buying Tarkov now is a good <laughs> idea then like feel free this obviously on the, on the podcast like you know this is not part of the sponsorship or anything but like it would, it would probably help if you could wishlist it anyway because it goes and goes and helps me out but um but e- either which way like I'm going to be playing it a bit just to see what it's like I, I like n- new stuff mm-hmm. I like seeing the concepts you know apparently some people are allergic to it but i like seeing new like people just creating new things and we get to see iterations on the genre like as you can see in the trailer for anybody who's watching on video like the the noise you make is is visually represented around you as like a ring right. so when you're walking there's no noise and as you run there's like this sort of visual ring of noise around you um so you have to like try and keep that down otherwise you can wake the zombies up you can distract like when i was watching the trailer with sound on it's quite like oh it's quite intimidating actually because if you like what you're like running backwards from a zombie like trying to hit them with a club you bump into a car and you like set the car alarm off it's like <laughs> <I just> go- <laughs> it's nice. like quite yeah it's quite i don't know it seems, looks kind of like nicely done at least i don't know whether the gameplay itself will end up being exciting enough to want you to keep playing i think that's i don't know where it really goes from there like obviously it's pvpve so like each time it's gonna mm-hmm. be different and blah, blah blah but like they've really said in quite a few places like you know guns are super limited like south korea is a very like non-gun place there really aren't many like handguns and shotguns like the ammo is more expensive than the weapons you know there's there was not there's not many, many weapons in sk anyway so don't expect to be using like guns really and also they're ill-advised so i, I think it's very unlikely you're going to be like operating around with like suppressors on i just i don't think that's the vibe of the game i mean it might be but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm intrigued. I'm certainly intrigued. Like I was reading more around like the law and stuff because there's a whole. They've got a Discord with like a bunch of law. There's like a thing called like 
records of Nakon, how it all began, or like Nakon introduction. And there's like, they've actually got like um kind of a, the basic tutorials already up on Discord, like Scouting Guide for Novice, Guide on Basic Movement. Like I read through all of this um, when I was, you know, because they, they contacted for the promotion and I was like, oh, there's actually loads more stuff. So I like went and read it all, read it all and I was just like, oh, I'm definitely going to play this. So like, yeah, let's, let's just see what it's going to be about. I think it'd be, yeah, I think it's going to be kind of fun. Um, it's going to be fun to check out, even if it's not like, not one that we end up playing a, a ton. But yeah, as I said, iteration on the genre is always good. I don't know if it's tasteless or not, and you know, you don't have to answer, but I'm, I'm curious. Like, you said they reached out to you. Is that like just a random occurrence? Was that like through an agency of some sort, or is it? It was know? through the agent, yeah, through my agency, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I think, actually, I think, or, or I think so. Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was through the agency, yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're basically just trying to get like, eyes on the release of the yeah. pre-alpha as they should right. it's like yeah it's a it's a marketing thing so i imagine other people will also be showcasing it and i don't see any harm in that right like here's something new that's releasing go try it like it's not I, that's the thing that's even better about it it's not even like go buy the game right it's just right like, it's like a, go yeah. and participate <laughs> and just like see whether you like it like it's yeah. very innocuous as far as i'm concerned i think um, for me personally the most interesting part is that social element you mentioned like i assume mm. it's social like i mean if it's not i'll be, I'll be you know not as interested but i you know the idea of like you going back to your camp and like you're you know working from for some shitty you know guy that you don't really want to be working for but you have to and you're surviving you're like the grunt you're gonna work your way up the ranks and take over this town you know become the big boss you know stuff like that i really that's honestly what got me into like survival genre was like effectively that open world rust type social element because it's like like i've played other survival games that don't really have that like um don't starve together for mm. example it's it's more of like a game with friends um which is like a different oh, type don't starve of... is such a depressing game you play <laughs> on your own holy shit yeah dude that game is tough and it's like you gotta you gotta know a lot about it honestly mm. but we you know i had fun with that but i really i just something about the survival genre where it like pits you against other players but like you need to work together it's like you and you don't have to like each other necessarily but like sometimes you make good friendships and like rivals and nemesis like the, i don't know the adding mm. that social element because typically multiplayer games that i've played it's like you're kind of like innocuous like you don't really like you're there just to be a player against the other person yeah you know i mean and so it's like very like challenging your skill Whereas, like, this is, like, you can still have that skill-challenging aspect, but then you have, like, this skill, if you will, in, like, a social game, or, like, luck also is, you know, people were not always logical 100% time, you know, sometimes mm. we're just emotional things. So it's really, it's really makes things super interesting. Like, uh, yeah. Mafia is, like, a classic, you know, tabletop social game that, I like I like stuff like that. It's really interesting. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. it depends on how they do it, as you say. Like, but it could be kind of cool because, like, in Tarkov, you know, you do your raid, you like meet the people, you betray people, or whatever, or you know, you kill PMCs, then you go back to your hideout because, like, you're ultimately on your own in Tarkov. Yeah. Whereas, like, in this, you go back to like civilization, and like right. they say, like, whatever whatever happens out in the Lawless Zone happens in the Lawless Zone. But like, if you kill a dude, and then you go back to base, and like you're both there, that's like kind of awkward. You know what I mean? Like you could get a reputation for being—I don't know. Like I'm that's not what sure I wonder. Really, what are the ramifications of the yeah, stuff? Other ramifications. Yeah, does, does it matter? Do you have to work with other players like on the on the safe zone side, 
mm-hmm. to get stuff done and then that would impact like because out in the out in the wild i think it's just yeah it's literally just every man for himself and there's no repercussions oh well we'll see I'm... from the law perspective but uh-huh. there might be social repercussions, right? If you're oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no mechanical repercussions, but now there's like social mm. stigma. Like yeah, mm, yeah. So I don't know really. That's that's as I said. That's the thing that's going to be fascinating. And it says like yeah, you have to pay your rent in the city and whatever. So you have to like loot enough really to like make a living. Yeah. <laughs> like like if there's you're a like... social side of that stuff, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, right up my alley. It's kind of what like tweaked my. <laughs> I just just have interest. Yeah. Just, I just want to be mm. a shitty landlord. <laughs> That's all I want to be. Sorry, I'm going landlord. up. <laughs> yeah. How I made and uh, built an empire by not going once into the danger zone. <laughs> <laughs> just became a shitty landlord. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Red Stew is going to be five more broken shotguns this month. <laughs> <laughs> you become I, Prapple. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Even at your own quest. That's interesting. Yeah. I'll definitely, I'll definitely uh, check it out. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah, the other, like, I'll just make a quick note on it, but the other game, I was, like, looking for... I, I was trying to scratch the itch of, like, a permanently on game. Like, I played a game a million years ago that I've talked about previously on Scav Talk called Shatter Galaxy, and it was, like, a MMO RTS. And the, the joy of it was, it was, like, three factions constantly warring over, like, hexagonal grids and... Your your individual units built up like an RPG, like levels wise, and you could like change the loadout of each individual unit and stuff. And ever since that closed down, I've been like looking for like just looking for something forevermore um, that's kind of like that sort of. And uh, yeah, someone in a band said in chat like like Planet Side Two, sort of. Yeah, kind of. Mm. Um, a little a little bit like that kind of game. Um, but I was like, I have been fishing around recently, and um, I stumbled upon the game uh, Foxhole. Which I've, I've been uh, I've played I've heard about like, that, yeah. some of it now, and uh, yeah, it's intriguing. So the, the way that Foxhole works is you there's two factions, and it's like hexagonal grids. There's permanent on you know, permanent battles going on, but every like you go to the front and you like grab a gun and like some ammo and like go to the front lines and die or whatever. But like every every like piece of ammo, every gun, every tank, every shell, every artillery piece, the building, everything all made by somebody at some point. So like behind the front line is this like logistical network of people driving trucks, like yeah. getting resources, creating stuff in factories, refining materials. It's like actually mm. nuts. Like the scale of it is kind of crazy. The fact that like there's so many people contributing towards like the war effort. Right. And uh, it's yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's intriguing. I've like I'm still I still don't know whether I enjoy it or not yet. It's like one of those like weird games. I'm like, do I like this or not? Like I like the concept. <laughs> Do I like how this actually pans out? Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> but it's still, like, it's very intriguing at the moment. There's, like, a lot to read, uh, which I quite like. I, mean, I like. I like reading into different mechanics and systems. It's, like, okay. anti-structure, anti-tank, anti-infantry. Like, try how to deal with, like, mechanized vehicles as, like, infantry people. And, like, you know, you can kind of go wherever. So there's, like, there are ways to make automated-based defenses, which is, like, one of the mechanics in the game to stop people just going, like, wherever. You don't have to have everything manned at all times. Mm. But outside of those, like, unless you're going to... Yeah, so outside of, like, the main bases, you can kind of just, like, wander wherever you want. You could just, like, take, like, get a motorbike or something, or, like, a pushbike even, and just, like, cycle into the enemy's back lines, like, sit in a trench, wait for a logistics vehicle to go past, and just, like, light <laughs> it up with a machine gun. Oh, that's um, And, like, 
you know, kill kill the guy and like scrap the vehicle off the side to like mess with their mess with their production, and their backline, which like indirectly then helps the front because then their soldiers don't ha- don't have like constant resupply of like ammo and meds and weapons or whatever. Like even um, you know, in, like games like Battlefield or whatever, you tend to have uh, m- maps where you're you've got spawn tickets, and you know the person the the team that ends up with zero spawn tickets loses because people can't spawn in anymore. Well, there's like a, a version of that in this. They're, they're called like soldier supplies, but they look like a shirt. So everyone just calls them shirts. Um, but shirts have to be like brought to the base. So as like more and more people like flooding in to like fight the battle, the, these supplies go down. And if you don't have anybody bringing them back in, like no one can re- respawn at the base. So like the other side uh... kind of ends up winning. So it's like but the spawn tickets get brought in by like they, have get, they get made somewhere and they get in the factories <laughs> and they get brought in by the logistic vehicles. Like it's, it's crazy. Um, and yeah, it goes on for like, it's like the, mo- the walls are like, two three weeks up to like you know, a okay. month like a month and a bit something like that and then it like it'll the, somebody wins and then the devs like reset everything and they like reconfigure it and then they restart the next war it's like it's it's huh. I, as i said i i really love the concept right practically speaking whether like i would say it's quite addictive once you sort of get into it you get like kind of invested i was like you end up seeing the same people multiple times because they oh that's really cool yeah the only thing about it is it's quite dominated by clans because, as you might imagine, right. with a lot of resource gathering and da da da, like organizing big operations, you have right. to sort of have more organization. So going in as like you know an individual person, it's like not necessarily that easy to, to understand how you can help to mm-hmm. start with because you're like, well, I'm just like one dude doing one dude things. Um, right. I'm just trying. I'm trying out like all the different roles. So I've done. I've been, I've been on the front line. I've tried being medic. I've tried going in the back line of being like you know saboteur behind the behind the scenes. Um, I've tried driving a logistics vehicle that one time. Uh, like I was just, I'm like trying out all the different roles just to sort of figure the whole game out. But it's it's, it's fun. I'm I'm enjoying myself just like in the learning process. But like once I've learned everything, will I go and playing it? I don't know yet. I'm not sure. That's what I'm like fiddling around with at the moment. <laughs> I feel like the question for me is like, you know, as you're saying, you're not sure if you're having fun or not. It's yeah. like, are is it a game or is it just another job? <laughs> Like, yeah yeah it's like definitely like starts to <laughs> border on that no, i don't know i don't know i mean yeah it's just weird maybe maybe it's maybe i don't know maybe maybe all games are jobs you just work for mm. enjoyment essentially exactly and like so, there's something kind of nice sometimes about just doing like brain dead menial stuff sometimes sure. and the fact that you can just like dip into each different bit if you want you're just like oh i've been like fighting for ages whatever or like i'm just like chilling in discord with my homies you know, and just drive the Logi vehicle up, up and down, like grabbing guns for the team or whatever. Like if other people, if you're just like chatting, it's like it, it, you don't need, it's like watching TV, right? It's like kind of like that, like just watching brainless TV. You could also be doing that, like rather than doing an intensive like backline activity, because that's like, you know, that's like the proper game is doing the fighting in the front, you know, trying to storm the trenches and, you know, go around and like block stuff off. But yeah, there's lots of like menial things that are sort of, they don't take anywhere near as much brain power, but someone still has to do them. Yeah, it's, it's, Certainly, it's certainly interesting. There's absolutely everything you described is like is absolutely exists in Rust. Like someone's got to hit the tree to get the wood, to put it in the furnaces, and so get the metal to upgrade the base or craft this or do this. You just, someone's got to be the farmer. Who's gonna do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. funny because before I played Tarkov, the last like time I real like the re- really played Rust was. I had joined a Zerg, a giant clan. That's what they're called, Zergs. And how I joined it was in a previous wipe, 
I had sort of like befriend them, even though they were like kind of enemies in our little like local mm. village. <laughs> like our little, there was like a little section of, of of this area that was like me as a solo, and like I had team up with some other randoms with the kind of neighbors. We were all kind of friendly. We were kind of like anti against the clan that was like over the mountain because they had a really big base. They would just come and bully us or whatever. And so we kind of ended up having like a small alliance, so to speak. And what ended up happening is I ended up helping them and then like kind of like befriending them. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll play a wife for you guys next wife. And so I got to experience like that whole dynamic. I mean, you know, it's just, yeah, it's like you got like a leader. It's very like bizarre in a sense, but you know, it's like, someone's got to run this operation, you know what I mean? Like, mm. so you got like all these roles delegated stuff and it's interesting, but yeah, definitely like <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting space. Cause I can see, you know, you just want to play in your case, a game. And then it's like, well, you know, I don't want to like, or anybody really, you know, it's like, you don't really want to like, you may be opposed to like interacting with strangers and what that brings, especially with like, people internet and especially when you put into context they may be playing this game upwards of like 12 hours a day mm. you know it's like there's you're, you're likely to run into some degenerates here and there um yeah i will say to be fair for the most part everyone's been like super good and there's um oh that's really good there seems to be quite a lot of like new people as well um they did a big update i think and there's like a bunch of new people like lots of people are just like happy to answer questions but you do are you run into some funny situations oh my god there's was, there was a guy like i ran into a guy who was like trying to use a crane to offload a pallet of barbed wire into a base and he was just like i don't know why this isn't working like <laughs> i can't make this work and there's just like there's just like pallets this crane this guy just like trying to like crane stuff i was like what is going on i like stumbled upon this dude just like trying this logistical operation like getting this stuff off a flatbed and someone was just like no you can't like there's no mechanic to just like you can't just like crane the barbed wire pallet into the base that's not how it works so you have to put the pallet on the ground and then you have to move the crates with like real people that like, you can't just you can't just put like it's not going to get in there on its own, right? You have to like move the crates with actual hands. Like that's how this that's how this functions. He's like, oh, that's I funny. see. But so there's like lots of people like trying random stuff, and people being like, mm. no, no, you can't do that, you know, because of X, Y, Z. Like this, the the community, the veteran community seems actually very helpful. Um, that's good. And they all seem, I guess, because it's like very side focused as well. So yeah, it's like, it's like one you know, side. If I help you, right. and you're, once you've chosen your side for that war, you're like locked in. Well, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. like they're not just going to suddenly switch to the enemy side. Um, you know, they're on my side for the rest of the war. So, like, if I help them, then they're gonna like help my side win. Is sort of the general vibe. So, um, did you want to just talk about the PUBG one before we? Yeah, I just mentioned it briefly. Um, PUBG. I don't even. I, you, actually, maybe maybe you should just tell because I don't even remember where I. I think I saw it from Hey Z. But I don't know how the story originally broke. Apparently, PUBG Studios is making. Or working on an extraction shooter, um, you know the the team that worked. I had to look it up a little because I was like a little confused. Like PUBG, I don't know. It's just it's kind of a weird game because it was like apparently some Korean studio. I think it was Korean Blue Hole Interactive, whatever. Someone there, top guy, wanted to make. Something like a Daisy battle, what we know as battle royales, which originally was like a mod that um, what's his name, Brandon? Is this Brandon? Nah, it's not Brandon. What's his name? Player unknown. The guy, you know, he's like kind of like created mm. this mod, and 
whatever. And so they approached him or something. It was like, hey, come work for us or whatever, and we'll make your dream game. And he was like, deal. And then PUBG happens. And then that studio, through a couple different, you know, reacquisitions or whatever, it's now mm. like PUBG. Uh, what are they called now, like Crafton or something on the... Uh, uh, dude, I don't remember. They're the publisher, who's... at least. There's there's someone above them that owns everything. I can't remember. It's funny because Ten... Tencent has like like 5% stake in the company. Mm. It's like they were originally trying to acquire them back like some time ago, which is kind of interesting, but it ended up happening. Uh, anyways, point being is like... I guess for me personally, I don't really know what's there to be. Like, Hayes seemed really excited about it, but I know he's like a. I mean, he he played a lot of Daisy. I played Daisy a tiny bit back in the day, and all I remember was a my PC could not run it, <laughs> so the <laughs> FPS was awful, and uh, the performance was really bad, and uh, it looked it played and felt really janky to me. Now it's come a long. My understanding has come a long way since those days, but I just I don't know how much weight i put into the studio simply because i don't know how much weight the player unknown brought to the table you know like if mm. he's not involved in this does that matter if he's involved does that matter i you know that's kind of that's my only thing i don't really know enough to really say one thing or the other but hey if they're working on a extraction game as many people are and maybe it'll be good maybe it won't i don't know yeah i don't really know i mean it's there's very few inf- pieces of information apparently it was like a report on a report to investors or something. So it's like, uh, you know, this this project black budget, uh, which is this extraction shooter type thing that they're supposedly working on. I mean, yeah, so we just don't know anything about it at the moment. But like, <laughs> as per the article that I've like ended up opening up here, like you know, uh, here's all the people that have like tried and failed. <laughs> it's uh, the 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 battlefield is littered with. Those that attempted it. How many? Um, what are the? Can you list off a few? I'm curious. What does it say? The biggest casualties. This is about. Um, is this about people who turned or not? It says like Rumble versus Iron Galaxy. I don't Brawl Royale the... melee based approach to Battle Royale because this is like Battle Royale ones, I think. And then, uh, da, 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 da. where is it? Yeah, and then it said like Apex Legends Mobile. And that's the startling about face for mobile adoption of its Battle Royale. The game shut down in May. This is, I mean, this is about Battle Royales, not even about extraction shooters. Yeah. Ubisoft's Ghost Recon Frontline and Hyperscope, two Battle Royales that drew little attention. Maybe and they don't based... understand it's a Battle Royale, the article that... I mean, that's an extraction game, not a BR article that publishes. Yeah. So then it basically just says, like, if extraction shooters are where the smart money is headed, is what they'll oh. find when they get there. In addition to Tarkov and Warzone, there's... They've they've listed Hunt, Second Extinction. I've never heard of. That's in early access and is on Xbox. I think it's like some dinosaur thing. Uh, yeah, Darker Frontier, which obviously we know closed, and then Dark and Darker. It's kind of what they've mm-hmm. listed as like competition, I suppose, or like you know things in the genre. Not not mentioning the whole what was it called the Battlefield one Hazard Zone. So, uh, if you can even call an extraction shooter, yeah, Something I like never that. played it in the end because just the base game was so bad. <laughs> yeah 
<sighs> it does feel like one of those uh, one of those things, though, doesn't it? Where it's like every person, every studio is looking at the extraction genre, going like, "I bet we could do it. I bet we could do it. I bet we could do it." Yeah, what did was... you say? They're crafting themselves to popularize the extraction shooter genre. And they said, "Here's the thing: it might be popular enough already." <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it was like you had PUBG, and then like Fortnite was the really big one, right? Um, yeah. I mean, Fortnite was like the. I mean, that's the thing. Like PUBG most... was enormous. Yeah. And then and then Fortnite was just like you know, Even so more. large that everybody <laughs> yeah. knew about it across the world. Like yeah. that sort of scale. Fortnite was like the you know. I can't even think of a good, a good analogy. It's kind of like it's... the blockbuster movie, you know. It's like a triple A movie, or whatever you call them, like the, you know, the, the biggest. It's like the Barbie movie, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. Whereas PUBG was just like a very successful, like cult classic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's it's also like yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. I think so. Because definitely, yeah, it's just like the most. I don't know. I I didn't really play a lot of Fortnite, but it seems like the most like broad appealing thing, you know. Whereas PUBG maybe is a little, you know, comparatively speaking, is probably not as broad appealing as something like, you know, I think Fortnite is like more family friendly. So there's even more market share there. You know, <laughs> young young mm-hmm. children aren't allowed to play PUBG because gun's scary. But oh, look, Banana Man with gun. Now that's cute. That's cute. You can play that, Billy. <laughs> uh, uh. All right. Anything else? I think that's it. I think that's it for, for today, at least. Okay. Well, with that, um, be sure to hop in on that sale, even though you can't <laughs> when you're getting <laughs> this on the recording. Uh, and be sure to... I'll post uh, Giga's YouTube video. Check out his um, promotion there for the sponsorship there for if you want to download the game on the 30th. Check it out on thirtieth. I think we'll, yeah, we'll have actually yeah. By the time that we get to, oh, we'll be in the middle of the period, the the start period actually. So maybe we could talk about it a bit if we've like played it. I, I'm not. Hopefully the timing will work. Um, we'll have to have to check, but maybe we'll have like, been able to try it for a day, and then we can talk about it a bit. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I really hope, man. I mean, they may not have anything ready for the social like the social stuff, but that would be really cool. I'd really like that. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up here. As always, thanks for everyone tuning in, and we'll see you all next week.